Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 103 of Beer Nuts the Podcast Adjunct Series. This evening, we are having finally taken ourselves back to the West Coast. This is only our second brewery from British Columbia that we've had on the pod, which is kind of ridiculous. Now I think about it, so you know, I trade with some friends out in BC. I get you know get get some of the stuff from time to time, but. We really want to support the scene out there a lot more. And so I'm super, super happy to be hanging out this evening with Chris from Haifa Project in Vancouver. Sir, Yay! welcome. Okay. Nice to meet you, man. Great. Great, great, brother. Thank you for hanging out. Great to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. And thanks for having me on. I um, feel very uh, privileged uh, representing the BC craft beer scene just because uh, – there's so many amazing breweries here. Yeah, man. But thank you. Guys, you. Appreciate it. You're so welcome. I, I'm glad we connected. Uh, we only connected maybe like a month ago on Instagram. And um, straight away, I really enjoyed the way you present the, the beers and the, your company on Instagram, online. And it just, uh, I, I'm fascinated to learn more about it, to hear about the BC scene. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to try these beers, bro. Awesome. Let's, Same here. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into the first one. Tell us about this bad boy. Look at that gorgeous label out right there. Yeah, so this one is called Nova Galactus. It's a cold IPA, uh, so essentially just lager yeast, um, the hoppy. Uh, some people call it Indian Pale Ales, uh, whatever, a lager, Indian Pale Lagers, or LPL, mm. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this one goes with Citro Hops and Barbe Rouge, so it's a French uh, hop that gives it a little bit more kind of like a red fruit notes. Um, yeah, this one's quite fresh. It just came off the line, the canning line, I believe, last end of last week. Oh, nice. It's quite fresh. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, we found the style. I don't know how popular it is out east, but uh, last year is when we first made this one. And uh, I believe it's our fourth one we've ever done. Okay. But fourth, being a cold, cold IPA, IPA, yeah. Oh, our wow. fourth, fourth beer. Oh, fourth beer, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was early on last year. But uh, cold IPAs were pretty new. I think we were like maybe we thought we would have been the first in BC to do it, but I think there were two or three mm. maybe that came up just uh, before around the same time. So gotcha. yeah, this one's going to be really it's just a crispier and drier version of the West Coast IPA. Really, you can tell with the rice in there too, giving that crispiness. I should open yes. mine. Yeah, yeah looking uh, looking nice and uh, opaque there. Great head. I've only probably had like yeah three cold IPAs maybe. They're starting to get a little more common but i don't i feel like this is something that we're going to definitely get into tonight i, I definitely feel like the big c tends to uh, really get into the new styles more like faster mm-hmm. yeah no i mean i could start start off right on that and there's a i think so and i i lived love to give credit where it's due and really not all but a lot of these styles trends whatever you want to call it new things that you know coming into the craft beer and not just craft beer but other industries as well mm-hmm. we see a lot coming from like the west coast of the u.s so california southern california right. and then we all know the craft beer scene down there is you know legendary and it's been around a long time kind of pioneers in north america in a lot of ways uh so we see a lot of those trends and i like to say you know those trends usually i'm not saying a cold ipa did but usually come from there up the way up West, north, and then across. Uh, and I see that a lot of industries, you know, fashion, whatever. So music, even beer, whatever. 
Interesting. I never really thought of it like that because you're right. The uh, Brood IPA started in social in, um, in San Francisco. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. San Sierra Diego. Nevada. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada started all that stuff. All um, the pale ales and really bringing in the West Coast, you know, hoppy kind of IPA, you know, Russian River refining and such. So that's yeah. a good point. It's a really good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is great, man. This is, I'm, I'm still, it's interesting to get your head around a style like this because of exactly what you said. It's kind of like an, IPL, but it's kind of like a West Coast, but it's kind of like an East Coast. So it's like a, they're, they're super interesting, and you've got some uh, great hops like Citra and Citra and Bar Rouge, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, Bar Rouge, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, unique. Which uh, we don't see a lot of it. I don't know about out there the Bar Rouge, but we don't see much at all. So mm. it's kind of an interesting hop to go with. We're like, yeah, let's try it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, this is great. It's got a nice sort of multi-profile, which is probably more the Lager, lager side, I guess, or is it no? It's yag, lager yeast. Mm-hmm. I always forget lager yeast um, fermented warm at, at higher temperatures. Yeah, and really, what you're going to hear is just the malt, the kind of the malt uh, breakdown and the bill for it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and, and I should start off. I am not the brewer, right? But project. No. So I get on the technical questions. Like I'll try my best, but uh, I do know of them. Most of the stuff, uh, been there brewing and helped, but uh, for the most part, that's uh, Chris Sharon. Okay. He's our brewer and one of the co-founders. So, I, you know, I should start with that. There's three of us, actually. Okay. We added on a fourth one. Uh, but myself, Ben, uh, and then we got Chris Chiron, which also owns another brewery in Vancouver. Uh, co-owns it. It's called Slowhand. It's a beer company. Oh, and they focus on loggers. So, they're, yeah. it's kind of a cool project we're doing, especially for him, because he gets to do Slowhand and focus really on loggers. And then he gets to hit a Haifa project. And we're definitely more hot-focused. Uh, you know, hoppy beers. Uh, so, you must. Be, he said it's kind of fun for him. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can imagine because otherwise, you know, yeah. then you get to really like express different sides. It's a totally different brewing process. Totally. And totally. Yeah, and not have to sort of only do the one thing all the time. Slowhand are amazing, by the way. I've had a few of their, their beers. I had. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Friend brought me the Hellas recently. I was like, yeah, fire, like kill, like, kill. I spoke to one of the dudes before. It wasn't Ben then. Is yeah, I guess the other gentleman. It's Chris and Curtis that own it. Curtis, that's, their, uh, that's what I spoke to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. amazing. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So that's um, awesome. And then the fourth, I didn't mention the co- fourth yeah, uh, person in the company with Haifa is actually uh, Takasudo. We bring him on, brought him on board uh, this year, and he's actually our artist curator and a good friend right. of mine. Um, yeah, he really, we just, uh, you know, he's, he's been a big part of this project, and he, he's uh, he's got great ideas and he's such a positive person if you ever meet this guy he's like the nicest most positive person everyone says that he's so amazing anyway so we brought him board and you know we're proud to say we're uh partly rso now so it's kind of cool love that excuse my ignorance rso is say again what oh artist owned you said okay that's what you said yeah artist owned. so we have an artist now that he's actually actually uh, an artist curator but he's uh he did the first actual beer we did the inceptional so this is Takasudo. Right. He's the artist curator, but he was our first artist as well. Okay. So we yeah. should touch on the art side. I know we're about to get into your story. Um, like that's beautiful right there. The uh, it's really good. Um, this can is is really, really great looking as well. Really cool. Um, you've really really high quality stickers as well. I feel like it's yeah. got it's got like the um, metallic parts that kind of like you know reflect them totally. It's hard to see on camera, but um, Really cool. Just you can tell looking at this, and like, damn, this is some thought that's gone into this, as well as it's just high quality. 
it's, it's really yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole. I mean, with art, especially, you just our things where we can't really cut corners at all. Like, you don't never want it with craft beer, but even with art, visual art as well. Uh, you know, and it, I almost forgot the artist should yeah. highlight this is Sean Caremaker out of uh, I believe he's residing out of Vancouver still. Um, but yeah, Sean Caremaker made this he does a very storyline style kind of art so if you ever get to see his website or instagram you'll see he, he actually has an art piece that's just a folding book that has pages that goes like i don't know how long like 20 feet and just continuous art <laughs> it's wow. there's a story there's a story so that's kind of how he does this thing and he actually did this in one part he's like he brought it to us saying hey you know i'm kind of dabbling into augmented reality you guys want to do something i'm like First of all, I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, you know, what is augmented? Like, I knew virtual reality, but I was like, augmented? And he's, you know, he, and I'm probably not going to explain it. I don't know if you could put it differently. I'm familiar with it, yeah. But it's basically you can create anything out of digital world from the physical, uh, physical world. So an example, what he did with this is with this art, uh, he, there's a QR code. All our beers now have QR codes. It goes to the art page, talking with the artist. But this one, specifically when you hit it or go uh, view it, you actually come up and you have an option to view on Instagram or Facebook. And then when you wow. do that, it creates an augmented reality. It's essentially, it's this design of the spaceship and all these you know, the pieces around it, the diamonds, the perfume, and the lipstick. And it's floating around and it can move around and you can take pictures with it within uh, Instagram or Facebook. That's great. So, I'm doing it right now. I'm just taking a look at how it all yeah. works. So <laughs> you tap into it and then I bring the beer... Oh, sh okay, wait, let me see if I can show the camera this, because this is crazy. All right, so I'm in like an, okay, you can see the thing right there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of like. It just mimics the same uh, main parts of the actual artist. Art wow. Living. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, you can, go down a, you can even go down a wormhole that where you can put it over the label, uh, the camera. Like match it. And, and then something will come alive within that. Like I could show up and start talking about beer. It's just endless. <laughs> like so, it's uh, so dope, bro. Wow, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, that is crazy. Is it yeah, every I, can or just this one? Just this one. Because okay. uh, he, he did it for us. It's quite a. Uh, it's quite expensive. I mean, if you were to get someone to program that, yeah, um, but he's just dabbling in it. And yeah, I'd love to, uh, to say that. And I know I want to. I really want to actually play a little bit more with augmented reality in the future. So I uh, uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see a hyper beer with. Uh, yeah, that's so sick. Yeah, I love it. Honestly, that's I've never seen that before. That's that's cool. brilliant. I'm gonna leave that there. Well done, man. That's really really cool. Yeah, this yeah. is uh this is fascinating. So let's get into that. And this beer is great. Really, like you said, super fresh, nice and bright. There's no bitterness in this style at all. It's super soft, nice multi profile. Um, it's just a pleasure, like a nice crusher, seven percent, but it's going down like five. It's a beauty. Yep. Yeah, it's stuff. definitely balanced. That's the one thing I could say is that mm. uh, we take a lot of pride in you know having balanced beers, but you're gonna you're gonna notice as you went, go through the four we, we have here, we have a little bit more drier take on our styles. Okay, so you'll see that. But yeah, but anyway, you were gonna say no. I was <laughs> gonna I was gonna se uh, segue into the next thing, which is just let's get your uh, your story, man. I like to see. Um, how you know how you personally discovered craft beer and how that led to Hyphen Project? Yeah, no, it's it's actually a, a really uh, we like to think it's a really uh, fun organic, you know how how this all came about and really it started oh my god 
it had to be like 10, 11, maybe 12 years ago. Wow. When Ben, one of the business partners in this company, um, got me into homebrewing. <laughs> okay. Really. And we started homebrewing in my garage uh, almost every second week, sometimes every weekend. Uh, but then we had like a, a good community of friends coming regularly. And so we'd be doing this uh, garage brew. <laughs> that was like, you know, and we actually had um, an old Sabco system. So it was like a, a keg cut, like two kegs cut with the whole system and everything. Uh-huh. It was pretty nice for a homebrew. It's pretty nice. Like one of the original, I think, uh, what was his name? Sam from Dogfish or Dogfish had the Sabco when he started. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, same system. Uh, was lent to us by Doan Brothers, uh, which now have their own brewery in Vancouver as well. And so we're brewing this beer. We're brewing beer in my grad, just experimenting, having fun. And uh, it became kind of a, not just for us, a really fun and regular thing, but the community that we lived in in Vancouver. People would walk by, and the grad is in the alley, and people kind of walk by and go like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like a mad... <laughs> science experiment, <laughs> people hanging out and, you know, we'd actually invite them in, have a drink of the past brew and show them what we're doing. You know, some of them were home brewers. So a lot of them weren't. So we're educating them at the same time, just having a good time. So really that community aspect was like so fun and organic. And then we just, uh, we just said, Hey, one day we'd love to have our own brewery. Like I bet a lot of like so many home brewers, uh, have that dream of. And, uh, yeah, it didn't happen until <laughs> like a year and a half ago. So it's like a big hiatus. And uh, people uh, that were in that kind of a crew, like garage uh, brew crew, two of them started their own breweries. Now we have the Hyper Projects. Uh, and it just really came about with the art size. I'm very passionate about the arts. Um, and then Taka Sudo, that's where he came in. Uh, I met him at a live art show in, in Vancouver. They were doing um, Aiden Gallery. It was a really cool underground kind of street or urban gallery. And they were doing live art, and I just really connected. I saw him. We were talking. Uh, he, he loves craft beer. He's really big in the skiing scene. And uh, we just connected. And so we, we, we had a few beers. We said, yeah, it would be really cool to have a brewery with kind of the art component to it. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, this is like a long time ago before, because, you know, collective art, especially out there, is quite well known. Uh, this that wasn't really a big thing back then. <laughs> like, no. I, don't even, I can't remember how old they are, but it, we did, I didn't know collective arts then. And so anyway, uh, you know, fast forward, we just said one, uh, about two years ago, or two and a half years ago, we said, hey, Taka, we want to do this. Uh, we had Chris Chiron come in. He was a brewer already. He does a production brewing uh, for multiple places at Slow Hand. Uh, and we just put this together. And it's it was really, uh, you know, at the time, we didn't think it was the best time, but we did it anyway because it, we launched really the start of COVID. Right. We're like, we have, we're ready to do this. Let's do it. And we're just like, the whole concept was to, at the beginning, especially, every release, do one beer a month or every uh, month and a half, limited supply, it's gone, one beer. And then it was like, throw an event, like a small party. And keep it kind of like that community feel that we did when we were doing our garage brewing, right? It's kind of the local community, bring them in. And that was the whole, uh, concept but then when like i said with uh with covid we were like well you know kind of lockdown we can't really <laughs> bring people to an event so we started doing online events to be honest right. uh, so we were bringing in like uh influencers people like yourself you know locally uh in bc vancouver art artists as well art scene um 
you know, and really just bringing them together, having a session like kind of like this, uh, you know, just having a lot of fun talking about the project, talking about the beer, <laughs> answering questions, Q and A, uh, and yeah, here we are now. And so, uh, so really, we just came out like you know, in a nutshell, we uh, came back from that garage brew. Uh, really, the art scene with Taka just kind of melted together, and then Chris Sharon with the brewing side, and we just came all together, and it just made sense. Uh, and it, it comes from the experience we had when we were home brewing in that garage. It's kind of the pillars: beer, art, and community. If you check out our website, we haven't always talked about it. Beer, art, communities are three pillars of our company. Project. That's, so. That's great. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's collective from obviously uh, out this way, and I and I think back then they weren't like nationwide, let alone you know a global or at least the continent wide. So it, you know, it sounds like you had the idea around the same time, you know, same time. And I haven't seen it in the same way with that same uh, what would you want to say, like dedication, I guess, to art with the beer. Mm. Like it's like hand in hand, which obviously this is. The, the the beer and the art of one and you know are equally important I imagine from what I'm hearing here. Totally, you guys, yeah. Totally, which absolutely. You, which gives you so many, I guess, so many opportunities to, like, it just expands everything because, like you said, I mean, now that things are sort of slowly returning so that events are possible again, um, it, it, it brings everything you know to to and you you bring people to a different place. I imagine you're doing these these events. Like at galleries and stuff, or did you like the ones that you planned in the original that you couldn't do? Like, what do those look like? Yeah, we. I mean, we've done actually. Uh, we did one during COVID. It was pretty, uh, you know, it was pretty limited in how we could do it because at the time it was uh, restrictions. But we were allowed to do them. We did it at a, a really cool. It's called Bow Down actually, uh, but they support local artists. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an underground feel, urban feel art they have there. <laughs> and we just threw an event there with uh, skateboard decks and really had live artists and. You know, people go around. Well, they couldn't go around that to sit. <laughs> they can watch the artists in different corners of the room, and literally see the art come to life. And then drink the beer, have some, you know, some, some bows, Asian cuisine, and it was it was just a fun event. And we actually did one. At, uh, we're gonna be drinking this beer at the end, but uh, it's uh, Where Eagles Dare. It's a bright eye collab, but we actually went to Kamloops for an event for the launch of this. And created a gallery in their new space, which they haven't even opened up yet at the brewery. <laughs> so it's kind of like great. we literally showed up there like the day of, and we were like, oh, "Okay, I guess." And it was nice that we had to switch venues last minute too. And we were like, "Okay, I guess we're gonna use this space." And it was like, you know, they were still constructing it. We were like, "Holy shit, <laughs> we got we got work to do." But we cleaned it up, made it look spot on. It was it was a fun party, like really fun party. And it was like. He's like, man, that looks like I have an art gallery. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it does look like an art gallery. That's sick, man. So, yeah. yeah. It seems to me that would be like an experience that most people, most, you know, uh, people who would be going to a brewery or doing something with a brewery probably wouldn't experience typically. Totally. That it's just like a whole new environment. And the good thing about that, and this is kind of a question and a statement, I guess, was one of the main things I think that doesn't get spoken about enough is um, opening the craft beer community to different people who may not be familiar with it, whether that's people who just hadn't stumbled upon it yet or different backgrounds, ethnicities that are sort of not even just not even in their like peripheral. So that's the only way for craft beer to grow. So if you're doing something at an art gallery, art has a kind of a wider reaching uh, grasp than, than something like craft beer. So I would imagine the crowds that would turn up to these events weren't the typical craft beer crowd. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, 
hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's uh, you know you get a you get a mix, obviously. So we, we have a, a great following as well, and really supportive uh, craft beer fans. But uh, for majority, I, I, I probably agree mostly. It's different kind of demographics, and it's great. It's uh, it's it's great for the industry. It's great. It's more. It, I think it's fun where you can bring in different people because there's a definite uh, educational component to it, which is something that I think is really valuable and responsibility yeah. uh, from the craft beer scene uh, to really, you know, bring, bring uh, to light what craft beer is and, you know, the beer, the stories, the people really when it comes down to it, you know, yeah. and people have, a, a, there's definitely a lot of, what do you call it, Like overlapping kind of values there with the art scene. People like putting their heart and soul in it because at the end of the day, I, I always say like brewers are artists as well. Yes. They're artists for sure. It's just it's just a different uh, platform making beer instead it's of it. A, different campus. Exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, it, there's a lot of similarities there, and a lot. And I think that's why it works because both sides can appreciate that because it's very similar but different. I yeah. love that. That's that's yeah. really cool, man. I didn't really think of it like that. That's even. That's a even cooler way to look at it. The uh, the crowds that say that weren't the typical craft beer crowd, meaning people who are already familiar with it. How's the reception to the beers? If you know, if people come because they know about the art side, and or they know one of you guys, maybe they're not into beer and they just know that this is some cool art thing. It's just a vibe to go down there. There's you know, like you said, you're good people, good energy. Um, how do people respond to the beers being that you focus mostly on IPAs, even though like this style, the yeah. styles that you're doing are, are extraordinarily approachable that, you know, maybe people get scared of hops or, you know, whatever. Yeah. What's the, the general response from folks like that? That's a great, that's a great question. And, uh, I think we're, um, I can say for like where I am in Vancouver, we're blessed that craft beer and those kind of styles are really predominant. Right. I'm sure they are everywhere else, but they're like it's pretty regular to see IPAs everywhere now. <laughs> like it's not like, and you, everybody's drinking IPAs, so it's just. Uh, but you do have people that still haven't ventured that way yet, and they're kind of stuck on their lagers and pills. That's fine. It's great beer. I love lagers and pills too. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think they it's it opens their mind. I think because we do focus a lot on hoppy beers for the most part. It's mostly hoppy, but it's such a variety of styles. And there are some that we, we, you know, we take a lot of pride in it being well balanced and, like I said, dry. And I think the nice thing about dry is uh, dry beers is it's, it can be a little more approachable. I love sweeter uh, IPAs as well, but they, it's hard to jump in if you're not used to it. I think, and yeah, not only that, but to have a few few of them, it's it's uh, dry beers. You can crush. A few of them a lot easier than a little more sweeter IPA, <laughs> which you know they just seem a little heavier. Uh, so I mean they're more crushable too. I, mean, that's, I think it's a great thing. You know, you get to spend more time drinking and talking and experiencing it. Right. So I mean, kind of goes back also to the educational component. It's just really talking about it, seeing what they. There's no right or wrong. I tell them like you experience what you experience, and you know I can help you guide that through that if they ask and say hey, this is what it is. This is what usually it is, but. You know, I always ask, what do you think? Like, what do you feel or experience or taste mm. smell? And it's, it's interesting to see their reactions. Like, it's usually dead on from those people. And it's very, like, one or two words. And okay. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's anyway, yeah something that's is better than mine. Something is better than <laughs> Yeah, we have a complicated <laughs> being that it's got Dallas. Okay, that's dope, man. I, I also find that, I, I imagine it could be the same, is that, like, 
typically, I don't know if there's such a thing as like the, the perfect gateway beer, but like in my experience with, you know, being around people who might not drink beer and I'm going to be drinking a new England IPA and someone, you know, in the pre-COVID times when sharing a glass was a frowned upon, I guess you'd be like, oh, can I take a sip of that? Well, yeah, yeah, sure. And people are like, oh, wow, this beer? Like that's what it tastes like. And I find that it's like almost an underrated like gateway beer because it is so flavorful. There's not really much about it that's a huge turnoff that you could argue with the West Coast IPA with the pine, the resin, the dank. It's like, what the hell is this? But when you're drinking the New England IPA or something like this cold IPA that's just really nothing bitter about it, they're just really approachable, great mouthfeel. It's just like an interesting experience if you haven't had it before. So totally, it's it's almost an underrated version of a of a of a gateway, and I imagine as well people who attend your events probably come there with an open mind because they're ready to experience something, being with that visual art, and then oh now there's a another one or two of my senses three if you look at sight as well like are all being hit with this beverage. So it's, I imagine, that's a great point. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that was I, it. I just imagine it would be people would respond well to that because they're in this uh they've come here ready to go where it's like maybe if someone's being dragged to a bar or dragged to a brewery because all your friends want to go they're like i don't know whatever you know what i mean like they they might not have and be ready for a new experience but when you bring them to an art gallery or at least an art focused event you're kind of opening them up already and that might really be like a really seriously underrated way of uh introducing people to craft beer. 100 percent, and you know you hit the nail on the head there and Really, I think it comes down to, um, you know, you always hear this cliche, it's, it's not the destination, but the journey. Mm. You know? uh, and not only that, but I think the, 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 the experience makes it, the whole experience makes it a better experience <laughs> when you put it down. Like, yeah. So it's like, yes, you have a beer, you can talk about it, it's approachable, you like it. But you also have the visual, okay, there's a story behind it. Oh, okay, well, who's the artist? Oh, who's the QR code? I can check this out and see the art's about why they did it, inspiration. It's kind of like, oh, cool. And then you come to the events, like, okay, here's this, uh, you know, like we can talk, interact, we do the online events. Um, it's just, you know, the more you can build that experience up in an organic and, like, honest way, like, I think that's the whole experience becomes just amazing uh, outcome. So, I, you know, that's the one thing I think why this works well, and we're so proud of it. And uh, you know, we take a lot. Of, we're very passionate, obviously, but it's because there's a lot of there's a lot of things along the way here you can really experience. Like, you know, yeah, um, it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, it's fun. And if if anything, it's a great conversation starter. And that's you know, I guess that's where the art comes in, and it's it's beautiful. Yeah, because the whole package is yeah. something that's that's rare and quite unique in the beer space and in maybe in the art space too, because you can, like you said earlier, you're combining two different art forms into, into one and they sort of don't really exist without the other. So you've sort of made them dependent in the best possible way, which is, that's the unique, that's the, you know, the value on, on this product. Um, oh, I forgot to ask you in the beginning, when did you do your first beer? Like what, what was the actual timeline as far as like, when did the project begin? Yeah, it's uh, oh god, you're putting me on the spot, but I believe it was, um, yeah, it was about a, uh, so that would be, I mean, I think we released our first beer in March or April of last year, so, right, so it's almost a year and a half, not a year and a half yet, but almost a year and a half. Uh, I mean, we started working on it before that, but actually, releasing uh, our first beer was 
yeah, it was an exceptional. Uh, it was a New England style. Um, yeah, for a year, maybe, two, three months. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's great. So it's a, it's come a long way in a, in a short amount of time as far as the like. You mentioned, I think you tell me uh, when we were chatting online, like you grew probably monthly. I think you were saying so. It's it's like pumping out new things, but you're brewing every month, and it's like a new beer, a new drop a month. Um, is that because of logistics as far as that there's much more to a beer? Like for you just to get a beer, it's not just like whip up a label. It's like an actual like much more in-depth collaboration with an artist. Is that part of it? It's uh, it's a lot, <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. A lot of uh, some of the parts. Uh, but really, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely the art, art side. Um, we feel like we usually have a three or four on deck that are done, like the artwork. So it gives us a little bit of time. Um, I mean, at the same time, we're, I mean, we've, we've never hidden this, but we're still like, I guess you call it contract brewing. We started off that way. Um, but saying that, I mean, we're doing it through slow hand, uh, the license and everything, which one of our owners of this company owns that company. So it's kind of like, Makes there's a few other brewers like that in the U S too, that they have a, it's called the project within the brewery. Right. So yeah, they're, it's not, I guess you could say like a true contract thing because one of the owners owns the whole brewery. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, so we're limited a little bit on scheduling for sure. Obviously, um, saying that we're mm -hmm. actually actively looking right now for our own brick and mortar brewery space, uh, in BC. That's, uh, as you know, BC. And I think we were talking earlier, Ontario is like, probably the most expensive Toronto Vancouver yeah. most expensive uh, property wise. <laughs> uh, so we are, yeah, we are looking at that, but yeah, to answer your question, it's, to be honest, it's, it's, um, we wanted to start this organically and kind of the idea with the art, you see a lot of this art release, you have originals, which is original, you know, artwork, this, and you sell it, this, that's it. Well, a big thing that's been really popular in the art world has been prints, limited right. edition prints. There's open and limited. And open just means you keep selling them. There's no limit. And limited is just like you have, a say, 10. Only 10 are printed out, signed, numbered. That's it. So they have more value. Uh, they usually higher quality. Um, so, I've, you know, so when I try to explain, explain it so that, like, it's kind of like limited edition prints if they're from the art world. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Okay, that makes more sense. I was actually going to ask a couple of things you touched on there. I'm glad you mentioned the brewery because that was going to be one of my next questions. Mm -hmm. Before we get to that, because I'd love to hear like what you sort of plan to do and all that. The um, do you sell prints of the can art currently, or is that or is that like a future thing? It, we do right now. Uh, we have some on our website. We have a shop. Um, we sold most of them at events. It's not all of them are not up on the shop yet, but they will be up uh, this next month. Uh, so basically, uh, all the ones that were original, uh, no, sorry, originals, the limited editions of all past labels. It's just like you were saying, I think we have like 12, 13, I think we're at 15 now, okay. different labels. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, we have that. And then we, for the events, we actually have two events coming up here in the summer, uh, which I'm super hyped about. Uh, but we're going to be selling off the limited edition prints as well there. But also the originals as well. Some of the originals that uh, the artists want to sell. Uh, so if you're an art collector, you have an opportunity to buy really cool original art from these, uh, you know, British Columbian artists. Uh, very highly talented as well. But they, uh, going back to the events, uh, super excited because they're kind of similar. They're different, but 
Uh, the two of them are going to be, think of it like a summer block party theme. Uh, so we're going to have live artists. Uh, we're going to have our beer flowing, obviously. Uh, we're going to have DJs. Uh, and it's going to be kind of a more hip-hop, funk, uh, breakbeat kind of theme. And the reason why we went that is uh, it's kind of like block party back in the Brooklyn style. Uh, kind of, you know, going back to the old B-boy, B-girls. And we're going to actually have B-boys, B-girls coming to our events to showcase. So perform as a, you know, um, as a group, but also have a battle uh, throughout the event. And it's not only are they going to be uh, any B-boys and B-girls, they're going to be from the BC, the Red Bull BC1 series. So these right. are world champions. Like, so we actually, I think the world champion is from Vancouver last year. Red Bull BC1. So he, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he will be at our event uh, showcase. So it's kind of a, like, you know, block party theme. Uh, and it kind of goes with the art as well. And I've, personally, I have a little bit of a passion. Back in the day, I used to be dance and b-boy. So that was kind of like, you know, the more I, I get excited about it, the more I can bring that in and share that with people. So it's great, I think. That's sick, uh, man. Yeah. I love that a lot. I'm a, I, I moved to Canada because I make I rap. I've been doing it forever. So my brother and I have been making music forever. The theme song for the podcast, my song, whatever. So hearing awesome. hip-hop, I really love – I feel like it's it's like fewer and further between when you when you pair sort of hip-hop and, and beer authentically. And because you, if you're coming from this and this is like something that you did, that's super cool to me. We also have <laughs> a non-profit called Link Up where we – um, the idea is to diversify the craft beer industry. Uh, we have some partner, partner brewery in, um, in Gatineau, Quebec. And the reason I mentioned that is, is that as soon as you mentioned that you're doing these type of events with, with b-boys and DJs and stuff like that, to me, my first thought was diversity. Like that's going to introduce new people to your beer primarily, but secondarily to craft beer because they're going to have a positive association with Hey man, like this is a brewery where people of the culture are sharing their love for the culture. It's not like the you know like the breweries that are all white dudes with beards who are putting biggie on the can or whatever, which is yeah. pretty unfortunately common and you know pretty whack. Um, now that you know you're able to actually marry like genuine hip hop culture to the craft beer in a way that doesn't feel fake or forced or inauthentic to people. And that should attract oh. different people to the event. And therefore, the idea is that diversity, because craft beer is not going to thrive without diversity. It's just not possible. It is oh, it's like, it's like any industry, I think. And you're yeah, right. It's, craft beer. It's, it's, uh, it's the more you can bring people, but different people into it, I think it's, it's, it just creates a beautiful bouquet like, for the industry. Like it really does. I, I mean that. Like it really does. So I'm super excited to, to have that opportunity and a platform to be able to share that and express that. And, and I think you kind of said, like, people, customers and people that follow you and fans, they know if you're fake or real, <laughs> like, if you're genuine or not. Like, so it's like, be yourself. Like, you know, and that's the best advice for anyone is just be yourself. And if you're passionate about something, you should be doing something about that. Like, because that's going to that's just going to carry over to everyone else. And, and you, I did not know you uh, rapped. Uh, you probably would appreciate he's, he's, he's This person, artist isn't a rapper, but they came from the, he's a legend from the uh, hip hop world. And um, it's actually this label. It was, he did the art. His name is uh, Nelson, sorry, coming off wrong. Nelson uh, Garcia, which is also known as Dados. 
Okay. Huge b-boy. It used to be a b-boy for the Rascals, the Canadian hip hop. Ah, band. nice. Yeah. So this guy so he is. He did that. Oh, like, he did the piece. He did the artwork. He's a he's an excellent artist as well. He does graph and uh, graphic art as well, and uh, he's a well known uh, b-boy uh, back in the day. And uh, yeah, when they uh, Tacker brought him on, I was like, wait a second, I know this name, Dados. And then I it's looked like, it up, what? and I'm like. I was like, damn, I, I remember this guy. Like, he used to rock with Rocksteady, like, you know, not with Rocksteady Crew, but with two events with them, Mr. Wiggles. And I was just like, get out. This guy is a legend. Like, so I was super excited to uh, have Dados on. And we, I do the kind of similar thing what you're doing here. I do, uh, it's just through Instagram, it's a little smaller, but I do interviews with all the artists. And it, it's so fun because, like, every artist is different. And you think it's going to turn one way and it just goes left field. And, and Dados is one of those. Like, I, I just starstruck. Like, I was like, this guy's amazing. And I was super excited to interview him. But the, the whole interview just kind of went in a different direction. But it was amazing. But it was just like, we started getting deep about like talking about like just not beer, not art. And it was really cool. But it was just like, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I like that though. Isn't that the beauty of the medium where you just like interviewing and you just have, you know, humans having a conversation? And it goes where it goes, and you try to keep it on topic, but you also can't force it. It's all this is an art in and of itself. This art of conversation and like and recorded conversation, which is arguably more forced than a regular conversation, but it's it sort of all plays into everything because when it does take that, that's where the energy goes. You just follow it, and you're like, yeah, whatever. And that's it. Turns out how it turns out. You just don't get too attached to it. And you're like, that's what it was. Let's go. Hundred percent. That's true, man. I, mean, I love that's, it. That's usually that's usually the kind of the, the the what do you call it the little surprises in the cereal box, the gold mines, like the little <laughs> things that you never expected, and they're just like that was like money. <laughs> like, like couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, man. You just you just run with it. I'm looking at the time here. How do you feel about the uh, the next one? Yeah, let's uh, jump. I think we have on deck here was this one. I believe the Metathion. Yes, that was the one we had. Yeah, and I'm going to. Yeah, I'm just going to dump my, I don't have yeah. many glasses. Oh, you have enough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Metathion is a, a really a unique one because uh, it is a collaboration with Phantasm. Uh, okay. Yes, with the... Oh, well, probably no, probably no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, um, the this Garage Project in New Zealand, they did the, um, they developed it to feels, and, yes, and it, thank you so much. And it, uh, Tastes like kind of like like Nelson Sylvain a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Nelson Sylvain, uh, even like seven. So basically, what it is is they freeze dried uh, Sauvignon Blanc uh, grape skins from the Marlboro era of New Zealand. Uh, it's a New Zealand company, and they uh, freeze dry them, turn them powder. And now they're selling this to a lot of breweries because it, you know because that it acts like a theo. It is a theo precursor. So. It gives notes of tropical notes, but also like Sauvignon Blanc as well. Uh, right. And it, without using hops, using something totally different to create that kind of tropical, especially. Um, it's, it, it was hard to get. Uh, it's not easy. I don't know about up there, but in BC, it's not easy to get. Uh, so really, we just reached out and they just kind of checked our website and said, hey, we like what you're doing. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you some. We'll sell you some, you know, a premium price. Of course. <laughs> But uh, we were super, super excited and we were like, and our brewer, Chrissy's like, I'm excited because I've heard a lot of great things. It's different. It's kind of like what we want to do. We want to, we don't really want to be following trends in Hyphen Project. We always said that, like, not following trends, but really setting trends as much as possible. 
you know, and, right. and some people, you know, when you do that, you're going to push boundaries that some people might like, oh, you know, might not like it, but whatever, they had experience. Um, so this one, uh, yeah, this one's, uh, I mean, what I can say, the, the nose gives you a lot of that. Uh, I get Savignon, I also get tropical. Yeah, um, white grapes, definitely, tropical yeah. fruits. Yeah, I mean, and once again, it's a nice, crushable, well-balanced, um, dry IPA. Like, it's... Nice. Do you know what's almost... It, it, it reminds me of a brute IPA because of the dryness. It's, it is. I've heard people say that, actually. I've heard mm. people say that. Yeah. Cool. I mean, once again, going to a brewer, Chris Schroen, he's like... He was super pumped to have this, and when he told me about it, I'm like, that's like a no-brainer. Uh, he would love to play with it a little more because obviously we never had our hands on it until this one time. So he's like... This, he, was really, he was happy with it, really happy with it. But he's like, I want to play with this a little more because uh, it definitely is kind of that brewery, brewer kind of... Like he likes to geek out the science yeah. of it. Yeah, that's, that's him. That's right up his alley. You know, I, I can understand that. <laughs> I, mean, I get it. Like it's, it's a, it must be a fascinating thing in a world where now, you know, I guess now it's, uh, there's so many different hot products, incognito and cryo, and now this specifically... Um, I guess it just like allows you to sort of experiment with flavors and, and sort of how they interact. Like what if you use the Phantasm with the T90 or what if it doesn't interact different with the cryo or whatever, you know, it's, there's just so many different avenues, different things that can sort of happen with the beer, which is, comes back to the art side, really. Like the more oh, elements you've got, you're right. The more you can play with it, the more you can see what's going on. I like it. Uh, this is great, man. The, yeah, it's different. Yeah, go and tell, tell us more about it. I was going to ask about the artwork as well if you wanted to sort of... Yeah, well, we should jump right into that because we always... I mean, art is definitely a showcase for us. And So this one is a really cool... Uh, art, I guess through uh, Brother Jopa. Mm-hmm. And Brother Jopa comes from the... Sorry, maybe I'm not hitting up the middle there. That's all right. uh, Brother Jopa comes from the ad agency world, uh, but he creates... His kind of art usually, usually, is about creating um, artistic and unique... Uh, calligraphy and fonts so he's all okay. about like really funky uh, fonts and he created this one sorry I'm going the wrong way it's there the you. opposite right <laughs> <laughs> so annoying so this one actually believe it or not says metathion in it like stacked going across <laughs> and okay. the way he did this art uh, which I will be putting up on the website soon uh, he, he gave me a um, I have some clips already but he gave me process how he did this and the way he did it is he cut out into a nice big piece of wood this design with the okay. calligraphy. And he has the symbols for uh, earth and air on the sides. And what he did is he made it all nice. And then he put it outside and he got a professional photographer friend to take pictures and video as they took a blowtorch to this. <laughs> like literally a blowtorch. And just lit it up. <laughs> so wow. he we're watching the video and I'm like, this looks like too much fun, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so this picture is actually a, a capture of the moment of the artwork being on fire. Like literally a photography of this. Um, so uh, we actually, he still has the original. It's all charred, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, but it was really cool. I, when he told me he was going to do this and when I saw the uh, process and the, uh, the, uh, the final product, I was really... I was really happy to, I was happy with the outcome, but I was just really happy to see the process and how it was done. And like, we can share that because uh, we never had anything like that. You know, it was quite unique, I guess. Definitely. That's crazy. I love, I love that yeah. whole concept. When you, when you 
people are able to take the physical, like something they physically do, like he carved that into a piece of wood and mm-hmm. then, you know, manipulate it in the real world and document that and turn it into something digital. I don't know there's something, um, I did something similar with that to my last album cover with my friend, funnily enough, who was in Vancouver, um, Victoria yes. actually. And this to me is the coolest shit ever. It's just like, for that exact reason. It's like, it's, you know, it's all cool to have digital art or you know, painted art, all of that is phenomenal. But when you can sort of like carve something and then like light it on fire and then turn it into, I mean, that's sick. That's so cool. Yeah, man. It's like so, analog. Bring, bring, yeah. back, bring it back analog. <laughs> mm. Bro, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's even cooler because I feel like this is a, a ton of work for something that people might consider as a fleeting product as beer, obviously, it's not completely fleeting, but they, they, these things sell. Once they sell, they might not be around. Mm. Um, one question that comes to mind on that note, are you, or I mean, obviously, it's already been, you know, year and a quarter, year and a half. Are you planning on bringing any of these back or it's all been sort of one and done thus far and it's going to stay that way? Yeah, that's a great question. It's... Um our main uh, concept, we already, so we have 2022 planned out already, mm-hmm. obviously. And then looking on to next year. Um, so right now, for the next year, we'll probably bring back maybe four uh, ones we've done in the past. Uh, we may bring in a core next year as well, one core, and really just kind of refine the, the, the brewing of it and to make it a little bit, just a little bit better in our minds. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that, that's a plan in, in the next year. But yeah. Uh, so for this year, for 2022, we brought back four from last year, but everything oh, yeah. else okay, is going cool. Yeah. So four of them were re-released, uh, ones that we felt like, you know, we wanted to release and actually people asked for us. So we kind of took that on account. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, to answer your question, it's never say never. There's a good, there's a chance some will come back, but not all. Okay. So some beers we'll do, will never come back again. It'll just be gotcha. one and gone. Uh, and that's kind of the. You know, it's a little more work, I guess you could say, but it's kind of the fun aspect is too about it. It's like, yeah. oh, what's different? What's new? What's uh, you know? <laughs> I know, I, yeah, being a craftier drinker and fan as well, I know I'm always, you know, I have my go tos, but I always like, hey, you know what? What's new? I want to try something different. I want to try what's new from this brewery that I know that I have a lot of respect or interested in. You know, that gets that gets me excited when it has me my buying habits. You know take place that way so I mean a lot of crap beer drinkers I feel like, like that. so you know we listen to them it's all about what's new and you know what's what's what they haven't tried yet it's a, it's I hear that from everybody from brewers from the stores from yeah from everybody yeah. and that's not, yeah, your, it's not hey sorry it's a little late I was gonna ask you what's your fave like style the style of I would say if I went to a brewery my first thing would be to go for a crispy boy so to go for a lager or a pilsner that would be the, the go-to when I walk into it. Yeah, you know the vibes. I feel like most uh, brewery owners are it and that. Um, but it, then, to be honest, it's the, the New England IPAs. I mean, um, obviously, it's what most things are. But um, when they first came out, man, I was obsessed, like crazy obsessed because you couldn't get it here. I kind oh, of yeah. feel like you guys might have been ahead of us out here. I now, heard that as well. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, from what I've heard, yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, you want to hear a little tidbit through I heard through people oh, that dude, please, West Coast, let's, let's maybe share with the East Coast, yeah, the Eastern side. Is uh, there's a, there's a lot of great uh, New England breweries here, and um, 
I think everyone thought like uh, Superflux is an amazing one. You know, yeah, friend, good friends with Yorn or Adam, and a lot. I think a lot of people thought they were the first. And don't quote me on this, but from what I've heard, there was one brewery <laughs> you would never guess did the first kind of like really hazy New England style, like kind of what you see everywhere now. It's popular, like you know, um, was actually in uh, Whitehorse, Yukon. Really? It's just surprising. <laughs> like, I was like, and I actually remember talking to the owner, his name is Marco at um, Winterlong. And he's like, yeah, he's, he's a big crappier fan. He would actually go down. This kind of goes to what we were talking about before, about trends or upcoming, upcoming kind of styles. Usually came from California, San Diego. Up, uh, He would go down every year to, um, I believe it's, yeah, San Diego and just hit up all these breweries, tap rooms. So they have all the experimental kind of like one-offs, what they're probably, you know, they see their customers like it and they're probably make a seasonal so he he saw this a long time ago before it became big in bc and he's like yeah he goes i want to make one of these so he made one called hazy sexy cool and from what i've heard i think it was the first one on the west coast of canada like we'll call you on west coast it is west coast yeah uh you know what i don't uh and i would ask him again but yeah it's uh yeah it was uh i was kind of like really I never, I never like, yeah, I was like, I was like, really? I was like, and then when he told me why, like he went down there and tried all these beers on the taproom, not, not production, just taproom. So he went down there always taprooms and talked to the uh, brewers and talked to the people like, what's, what's the one-offs? And when he got a touch of this style, he's like, oh, this is amazing. So this is a story he told me when he told me that and I was like, okay, that's probably true then because you know, you were actually doing it. You were experiencing it physically, you know, first-hand experience. So, um, what's the brewery? Yeah, it was really cool for, oh, for that uh, beer. Do you uh, remember the one? The yes, winter long. Cool. It's called winter, winter long. Winter long. Winter long. Yeah. So it's yeah, winter long. They're actually by a ski hill right outside of, uh, okay. by horse. Yeah. I wonder if they say, I'm just going to like poking around that, um, on, online here and see if there's any exact, the reason why I'd be very interested in what you're saying is because I had a, um, there's a brewery in Cambridge, Ontario called Barncat Artisan Ales. And we had them on, you know, Barncat, I guess. So they got really known for their haze, but they only started canning not too long ago. They used to own like growlers. And I discovered haze for the first time in Sawdust City's, it's called Juice, and that was in like the fall of 2016. And really? they told me, oh. Barncat, so that was my first one that I had. And once again, every side of the country is completely the way that it all went. We're trying to figure out what, who was the first, not for any medal, but just out of curiosity for, you know, like you were saying, sort of the, the nerding out on the history of things. So yeah, yeah. that was in like the, the fall. Barncat said they did their first one. I forgot the name of it, but it was in April, 2016, he, he said. So he thinks that they did, and he only claimed to be the first one in Ontario. Once again, I think, I don't think anyone's really thinking outside of their, general region because it's so independently set up that it's like, mm-hmm. it's not even fair because no one's communicating and there's no common scene there enough or even there to be some sort of a competition. It's just whoever went first. So that was as far as I got with it. I haven't confirmed that with anyone else. I got that from Barncat. So I yep. don't know. So that's why this is now the next question. Cool. So maybe they had the first one in Ontario. Sweet. Cool. Now I'd like to know like, who had the first one in Canada? Not just just for yeah, for history's sake. Not not for anyone's winner. Just I'm very curious. You know what? You could probably email Winterlong and ask for Marco. <laughs> and yeah. Ask him. 
Hey, when did you make the hazy fish? Cool. (laughs) I I, I was hoping I'd be able to find it online, but I feel like if it it must have been, it must have been around that time then. It sounds, you know, what? just kind of going off like gauging when some some of the BC ones I know of that came out, it was kind of right around, like almost a little after that, to be honest, uh, that I remember trying them. Because, like, I mean, I go back to Superfox. They they really put the on BC to put on the map for that style, and they were and they were doing that kind of uh, collaborative brewing out of um, God. I can't remember the brewery, but uh, they were called oh, Machine Nails. Strathcona. Uh, before that, even oh, before, so before ah. that, there was an incubator brewery that actually would have like four or five different breweries brewing out of their brewery. So the whole idea was to incubate, like you know, the brew scene, and then, yeah, before Strathcona, for sure. And uh, oh God. I can't remember the name, and I would love to mention them a lot. But um, yeah, they were called Machine Nails, and they, they changed their names to Superflux, and that was—I feel like it was around that time or after, but I don't quote. Okay, that. so they must be in the in the conversation. I'd like to—I wonder if anyone's yeah. like chronicled this, like history, just for <laughs> Canadian beer history reasons. Yeah. I'd I just be kind of cool to be like, this was the first brewery in each province to do one. Overall, therefore, this was the first one in Canada to give a crack, you know, a professional. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, well, BC has their, uh, I think the first Canadian brew pub is Spinnaker's in you know, Victoria, like Vancouver yes, Island. I do hear that. So they have yes. some history with craft brewing just being from the West Coast, but you think it would be more East Coast? Uh, just for this style, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, just being Europe, you know, having that. Oh, for beer style? That's a good point, too. I was even yeah. thinking New England IPAs being it's from New England as far oh. as Canadian. Canada's concern, kind of probably like uh, yeah, yeah. Brunswick, Quebec, Ontario, oh. arguably are the closest to that direct region. Doesn't mm. mean that would have been the first, but that might think of you know that that was the case. It's just an interesting thing because it's like for any style, you can typically find out when things happen. Because something like the New England IPA that's taken over the world, it's strange mm. that like everybody knows the origin of the original IPA with ships and all that shit, but. No yep. one really, like, at least I haven't. Maybe it's commonly known in some places. I've been trying to figure it out, like, just in conversations casually. Just be like, cool to know where it all sort of began. And um, either way, though, like, I really will say in offline that, uh, you know, BC really does have a phenomenal craft being seen. Uh, obviously, it's the, I would say that, you know, Quebec slash Montreal, Toronto, Ontario, Vancouver, BC has the, 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 best, most diverse, most interesting craft beer scenes in Canada. Um, I'd like to hear more uh, about sort of where it's at right now. I, I asked some theories from friends who are always like, like they would ask me, um, my, my friend Daniel's always like, oh, are you drinking many brewed IPAs? I'm like, there's really done out. He's like, oh yeah, I had this and then this and then this. So he was always getting more brutes and uh, West Coast IPAs obviously uh, tended to never really leave out there. Yeah. Um, and a few other different styles. I mean, I think even like cold, I think he had cold IPAs before I did. Um, things like that. So, yeah, I, mean, I just love to hear sort of like, and, and this is probably also a, my curiosity, but also for our listeners and viewers in on the East Coast that might not really, you know, hear, everybody hears great things. No one ever talks shit about, you know, Vancouver's like spoken about with uh, awe as far as the quality and what's really happening out there. But maybe people don't know the nuances of what's really popping, what's happening out there. Like, yeah, if you can just speak to that and sort of what's going on in the West. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's well. First of all, I will say <clears throat> for Eastern Canada, they're making some amazing beers, and they have a really great tradition. 
I have to say that you, you hit the nail on the head again, once again, talking about, especially uh, in Quebec. Um, I mean, one of my favorite breweries I could, from Quebec is a few of them, but like Deux de Ciel, Donham, Brasserie Donham. Uh, there's tons of amazing breweries, but just, those ones are really gravitated for. And then Ontario really opened up and exploded, you know, obviously with Bellwoods. Um, so many. I mean, it, it, and it's happening all across Canada. Like, you're seeing Alberta. I mean, they just won Brewery of the Year establishment, the Canadian Brewing Awards. They do. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot of Alberta brews that gained a lot of uh, medals this last year at the okay. Canadian Brewing Awards. And a lot of people didn't realize, you know, just kind of talking about like <clears throat> different parts of Canada, like the homebrew scene, you know, I'm actually from Alberta originally, so I can talk about this. And I've been in BC for you know, over 12 years, but the homebrew scene, I, even though I wasn't a homebrew, I knew it was pretty. Uh, pretty solid and really strong back in the day. Like we're talking like 15, 20 years ago. And I remember the East Wranglers. I actually remember them. <laughs> like hearing about this homebrew club called the East Wranglers. So I'm not surprised uh, why Alberta blew up. Um, and it was because of limitations also. They couldn't blow up because they had restrictions on how big to be as a brewery, a crap brewery. So they, you had to be like, you almost had to be like production big brewery to even get a license. So it was really limited until they opened that up a few years ago. So you're seeing all these, you know, great breweries, you know, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. So, I mean, everyone's making great breweries and there's really excellent breweries out there. And I have a lot of respect for the Eastern, especially, especially around the Quebec scene. It seems a lot more richer and, you know, a lot of tradition there. So I have a lot of respect for that. And um, going to BC, it's uh is is I came here uh, in the BC before it really blew up, and then the craft beer scene just just exploded. Maybe eight nine years ago, eight eight you know, around there, eight nine years ago, it just really exploded, and uh, it's there's tons of breweries opening up. It's, I can't even keep track of yeah. what breweries are. I'm like, oh, I'm like that's a brewery. I'm like, okay, great, I never of heard of them. So um, it's great. We're seeing. Uh, we're seeing colleges now adopt this, not even in BC, but like brewing, brewing courses and degrees, uh, which is, you know, making more legit and more refined and educational, um, which is excellent, I think, for the industry. Um, speaking of styles, I mean, yeah, IPA is rural. I mean, uh, Hazy's, New England's, whatever you want to call them, it, it's mass. It's probably number one. Okay. Um, seeing, I'm seeing a big comeback with West Coast. IPAs. It never died, but it definitely took a backseat, especially with New England's hanging out and sours even. Where you're seeing West Coast make a research, and I love West Coast IPAs. Like right. it's I almost I almost miss it. Like, and I yeah. I, I love the New England's hazies, but I'm like kind of miss the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, so it's coming back. Uh, sours have always been pretty predominant here and popular. Uh, barrel aged, I think everywhere. Um, Cold IPAs, it'd be, it'd be interesting. Like loggers in general are making, uh, they're making a big push, especially this last year. We're seeing a mm. lot of breweries do craft loggers, not just a regular like, here's a logger. They're experimenting and pushing the boundaries and making different styles of loggers that you probably don't usually see. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. I think it's. Uh, I remember t- talking to Chris, like we we're talking at Slowhand or our brewery when he started Slowhand. I was like, and their focus was loggers, and I was, this is like a few years ago, and I was like. I think you guys are onto something. I, th- I kind of think you're a little early, <laughs> but you're onto something. Yeah. Like, but it, they're like, I think they're killing it now because of that. Like, they're just 
position yourself. To. Yeah, loggers. And one brewery I really admire out of Toronto, you probably know because I know you're, you've got a place in your pot that's really close to you, is uh, Godspeed. Man, they're making oh, yeah. amazing, amazing loggers. Yeah. My brother lives 50 meters from them uh, very conveniently. So whenever I go see him, I always swing by and, and grab a bunch. And they're always like in short cans, which I love. So you can just, yeah. they're cheaper. So you can just like stock up. And it's like world-class lagers you can just keep in the fridge. And there was, I'm curious if this happened in BC. So Godspeed is a fantastic example. There was mm. this, I think maybe 2018, 2019, just pre-COVID, there was sort of like a, I think the Czech government were like sending breweries, brewers, to, excuse me, to Prague, to Pilsen and everything, and doing, like, basic on these, like, I don't know, his, history tour things where they got to go and just, like, soak it all up. And now we're seeing the the results of all of that in both Ontario and Quebec where brewers are, like, Godspeed is one of the prime examples. Another one's called Silo here in Montreal. Um, that uh, they do it exceptionally well, like these Czech style beers that are authentic, like triple decoction, like you know, some of them are even aging them in oak or fooders, just mm. going nuts with Czech style stuff, which I find really interesting. And I don't, I, I, my guess, this is kind of a bit of a theory after speaking to different people, it sounds like this, this Czech um, government grant thing that they were doing was, uh, was contributing to that. Did that happen out west at all? Like, has there been this influx of of Czech style crispies? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. just I mean, like going down like Logger Lane, <laughs> as yeah. I call it. <laughs> that's a uh, that's one that's right at the front for especially the craft beer scene. I think is kind of that Czech style. Yeah, it's it's not a lot. Um, we're seeing, I wouldn't say it's a lot, but it's definitely ones they're doing the Czech style. But also, we're seeing Italian pilsners quite a bit. Um, a lot of Italian pizzas came out, uh, but the Czech, it's, I, I, I really, I mean, to be honest, it's my, kind of like you said, when you go to a brewery, if they have a Czech lager, <laughs> that's the first one I try. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'll try it. And if one it's a Luca? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know it's, uh, Godspeed, and to be honest, Lohan makes excellent Czech lager as well. As Check it out. If you haven't tried it, it's uh, I think really I've... good. I had their Hellas Lager recently. My friends just sent me that. So like like last week or the week before I had that, and it was the first time in forever I'd had Slohan. Yeah. I swear I must have tried it. It's exceptional stuff. Svetli. Svetli, yeah. Lizak. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Proper chills. Check stuff. Okay. So the Slohan are doing it. Is it So Slohan sound like they're kind of maybe the Godspeed of Van. Is that fair? And Well, I mean. At least in the approach. I don't like comparing it to. I agree with that. But in the uh, they're, approach they're to what that. they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, they're really definitely lager heavy. Totally. I mean, they, 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 they took that on. Like, hey, we want to do lagers and do them well. And I think they're doing that. I, you know, people are starting to see that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always hard. It's like, I always find, like, as a brewer, a really, really edu- you know, educated crap your fan, you understand the value of lagers in general and not how like how hard they're actually doing like you can't mask as much with like a bigger beer or hoppier beer uh imperfections um and only that it takes longer so it costs more and then teaching that to your customer like the your masked customers the customers that you know you know 
there's crappier fans that get it, but you know, there's there's only a handful of those that really are passionate. People that are gonna like it's like educating them about loggers and why it's you know price point and what it is and why it's you know it's it's a skill and an art like to make a logger. It's not. I think people always think you know if they're not as educated, they think of it like a macro, like Canadian bud. Yeah. <laughs> you know they don't get it. They don't get it. But it's kind of like. But it's a great segue. It's a great segue into the crafter scene for those people. So I think that's a huge opening for the industry right there. Couldn't like you're going to bring in so many people because you're making more affordable beers. Yeah, I think yeah. the yeah. I think that's interesting. I think between like I would hope that those type of really high quality craft lines would be the ones that you know a bud drinker would drink that. And like, oh wow. This is what this is supposed to taste like. Okay, and then come come through. I wanted to actually ask, since we're, we're talking about this on all the West Coast, for Haifa, the styles that you've done in the last year, year and a half, has it exclusively been IPAs? Um, what other things have you done? Have you done a West Coast? Will you do a West Coast? What's it look like and what is it? what it hasn't looked like? And what are you sort of maybe planning to, to do in the future? Yeah, and that's that's a that's the fun part of it, <laughs> I think as well. Going to the beers, I mean, we so in the past we've obviously done a lot of uh, try not to we try not to pigeonhole specifically. Hey, this is a New England, this is a West Coast. We do it sometimes in description, but we call it an IPA most of the time. Yeah. It's like, hey, this IPA, this IPA, and then maybe in the description get a little more technical. Um, so we've done. I mean, the one we were talking about uh, right here, the Hop Squatch. With dados, that's a West uh, tribute to the West Coast. Oh, you did one. Take on nice. it, yes. yeah. It's a little bit. It's quite biscuity. Uh, it's definitely a, has a little bit of sweetness to it, uh, but yeah, it's very West Coast. I mean, we've done mostly New England styles. We did this one. It was kind of cool. Ah, it's, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If it's called Sono Psychotic. It's a collab mm-hmm. with a collab with Boombox Brewing out of Vancouver. Really well known for their sick art. Oh man, this is a uh, Takasudo once again, and it's collaboration art work too. So yeah. Takasudo and Jace Kim collaborated on this. So Jace did most of the skull. Taka did all this kind of fluorescent kind of. Uh, I love that. I don't know. I just that's ill to me. That's so cool. Yeah. So this one is a, a double uh, farmhouse double IPA. So that was a pretty unique one as well. Yeah, it's IPA, but it's farmhouse. It's definitely got a little bit of every uh, Belgian-y notes to it. Uh, we did our um, deliberation. This is a dry hop sour. That's cool. Oh, this one was sour. Yeah, yeah. So this was Paige Bowman, the artist, but the sour is uh, cool. it was half done. So half of it was kettle sour and half of it wasn't. So it's a little bit more approachable. Uh, so you definitely get sour notes, but it's not like really acidic and, and, and punchy in your jowls. Uh, so this one, yeah, yeah, this was a dry hop sour. Uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, IPAs. Um, just looking around, <laughs> pretty well. IPAs have most of the cans here, uh, but we are planning to do some uh, micro IPAs, so like a little you know session, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. And then we are planning to do a stout in the winter, nice. um, some pale ale. So yeah, definitely more. We're still staying close to our brand and our identity, especially at the beginning, for the first three years, which is really like well balanced, dry, hoppy beers. So for the most part, yeah, we will be doing that for the, you know, for the next bit. But once we get a little more of a foundation, I think we'll venture a little bit more with the art 
and even with the beer, to be honest. That's sick, man. Yeah, I was just sort of curious since we're talking about the scene to see sort of, you know, being that your part, you know, obviously you probably would stay away from Crispy's being that your partner kind of already has that side covered. And I imagine for this project, it would sort of focus more on that. And I, I don't know, there's something really cool about that too, man. Like the, the, this is what this brand represents and people who want a high for beer know they're going to get art, this sort of really high level um, art meets beer. And it's going to be mostly hoppy, but, you know, it's it's in the realm of, you know, if you're doing mostly IPAs, even though it sounds like you've done a, quite a decent variant of IPAs, uh, you know, doing something like a stout isn't weird because the same people who want that would be pretty interested in something like that come, uh, you know, come winter. So it's, totally. I love that. That's uh, that's really cool. It's always interesting to sort of see where, you know, way where, where things can go that that makes sense. I tell you, yeah, I like I like that. I, I know I like it when it's sort of like the brand. Like this is what this brand's for, and I think it's it just keeps it sort of like streamlined and it's sort of like instead of a bit of everything, you're not going to be dropping the amber or wheat or some other weird shit. Like this is like this is what we do. This is what we're about. People know what to expect and hundred percent. I love that a lot. This is beautiful. You, I think that's kind of, yeah, no, please, please. No, I was just going to touch on your point. Like, you know, it's like, I remember talking to a mentor <laughs> in business and he's like, don't try to be everything. Just, just be the best at this and make it really long. Like be the best at it and just kill it. So that's where you stick out. And I was like, yeah, of course. It's not wrong. <laughs> uh, that, that's a bar. Like that's like, right. I, I've learned that more. We have a business, you know, a social media agency and we used to sort of just deal with anything. And then we kind of like streamlined and things sort of, change for us when we streamlined and I, it's sort of like i guess that's what it is like i've read a lot of case studies and business and different things where it's like there was the one that i remember that brand i think it's called gym shark or something they're like a, a clothing brand for the gym i okay. actually not super familiar but apparently they only made clothes for people to wear to the gym and that's all they cared about then all of a sudden it became like a lululemon people just wear that shit out because it's become fire like they become cool or something. i have I have heard of it actually. Now that you yeah. say it, I've seen it on Instagram. There <laughs> you go. But I think that's that's how they got big because they did. Yeah. Excuse me. They stuck to their niche really strongly, yeah. and then because they were so good at their niche, it became something else. Um, totally. And they didn't change as their consumer changed the way they used the product. But you stay good, you know, really niche. And I feel like the way that the world is with more people doing more things, like niching is the only way. To really know, the more hyper specific you can be, the the better, and that only paints that brand. That when people see Haifa, they know that okay, well, this is art meets beer, and it's mostly hoppy beer. There might be a couple other things, but that's what it is. It's like elevated taste with art, and elevated taste with beer, and it's an experience. And they have these sick events, and that's what it is. And they don't have totally. any never getting it twisted. Like even when you have the space, which I want to talk about in a sec, what your plans are. Um, Looking at the time again, it always feels like I'm rushing it, so I apologize. That's <laughs> all good. Time, time for that bad boy. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk? I'm going to run and grab it. Do you want to? I'm going to pull out this so I can hear you. I'll be back in like. Talk about it for a second. Let, let people know what the story is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Two seconds. 100%. So uh, this is the Synchro Sentient. Uh, this is actually IPA, New England IPA. Uh, and this one actually um, with the artist is Amanda, um, where is she? Amanda Smart. She's actually a tattoo artist in Gastown, specifically Vancouver. Um, and this one for the art itself, we're really excited for it because 
It was the first artist that used oil painting as a medium. So this is all oil painting actually. And I, you know, I, I keep on going the wrong way here, <laughs> but I, I found this came out amazing, you know, with the three um, women uh, with tattoos on their face. Uh, I mean, we can go in more a bit on the website. We talk about the artist definition of it. And, and this one is, like I said, New England with strata and citra hops. And you're going to get like strawberry, passion fruit, stone fruit, and little citrus notes coming through. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I can pour it and show you. So that one, a little bit of haze there, kind of straw, straw looking, yeah. lots of foam, healthy proteins in that one. <laughs> yeah, that is really, really. Yeah, was, it's the like I was saying the oil painting. I was I was really excited to have an artist uh, do an oil painting as a medium. So cool, uh, and uh, you know she nailed it. Amanda nailed it. And uh, if you want to, if you're ever in Vancouver and you want a, a surrealism kind of tattoo, like she, she's an amazing uh, uh, tattoo artist as well. That's her main profession. Um, oh, yeah, that's it. I'm um, something about the. So she painted this and does and does tats. Exactly. I, I mean. She said it like she just likes oil paintings, uh, but she does tattoos. That's her main job. And you you get that through the kind of like almost tattoo looking on the faces of the three women. I can. I was gonna say like I can kind of like it, it almost feels like someone who just knows too much about um, tats, really. Yeah. 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 But Amanda Smart, check her out if Bye. you really want a, a surrealism, like kind of surrealistic kind of tattoo. Amazing. Yeah, I like, I honestly, like all my my guy is all in Australia. Thank you, and um, so I've been right. back from, for way too long. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I do have to find. I just known this guy since he was like twelve, so I was like trying to sort of continue to work. But I don't know how practical it is, being that I live over here. So I thought uh, I need to find someone. But I want like his stuff was was really like I don't know if you call it surreal, but just like the super high quality. Like he had a photo, he can replicate the photo. In the, as far as the quality, I mean, not necessarily what he did for me, but that's the, the level of skill that he has. So I was like looking for someone that could do that. Maybe the BC is too far. But I always, yeah, <laughs> I always find a lot of respect and like uh, I was always interested in tattoo artists, and that's an event we're thinking of doing in the future—a tattoo art event. Okay, how uh, that should be fun. I think. Uh, well, we haven't done it yet, but we're planning that in the next year. Okay. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. There's a lot of, I mean, everywhere, but in Vancouver, there's a lot of talented tattoo artists. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just to be able to transform that concept art onto skin. It's not an easy task. Just talking to them, like it's no. totally different, obviously, than a canvas <laughs> piece of sheet. You know, total different vibe. Total different vibe. Yeah. This just even like I know there's like a. A lot of them can like freestyle stuff as well, which is kind of mm. crazy to me because I'm like, yo, you, there's no room for error there, man. Like, you better, you know, it's kind of almost scary. I don't know if I'd be able to be comfortable doing that, but yeah, it's a, it's a total different skill set. But I love when I think some of the most skilled tattoo artists are able to do stuff like this to paint or draw oh, yeah. at such a high quality, like a high level. It's a, 
Yeah, super cool skill set. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find when we, we haven't done a ton of events, but the events we have done, we find this artwork gets probably the most like, hey, I want to, I want that. <laughs> like seriously, I can see, I can see a that. lot, of, a lot of people actually. Do they, as far as the prints, I imagine mm. these prints would like fly. It's uh, we just released them uh, a month and a half ago. Uh, they, we have some left. I mean, they okay. flew at the event uh, a good chunk of them. Uh, the original already sold. So that's gone, um, which is great because the artists make a, a good chunk of that. Okay. It's, uh, at the end of the day, you know, if we can support an artist. Uh, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of, it, you could probably get now, like, kind of the focal point. Yeah, the beer is definitely is great, important, uh, but the art is, you know, takes the center stage. Completely understand. And it's important, yeah. though. Like, that's, you know, it's it's the key component. It feels to me that I would say, from the outside, I would say it feels equal. Like obviously, what's in the can, if it's not great, then that's going to be a problem. But it feels like you've really spent all the beers are very thoughtful, and the um, yeah, the artwork is, is equally so. Um, I was going to say though, as I find it interesting. And this is probably maybe ignorance on my part. Like, wouldn't you want to keep the originals of these for like? The brick and mortar brewery where you're going, or, or is this you know you don't, it's not that big a deal? You can have it print and it's you might as well get the artist some money type of thing. I would I would love the originals, but um, <clears throat> it's interesting the way we set it up. Uh, not to go into the weeds with the artists, but we 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 pay. So it's <laughs> it's different than a lot of other breweries. Artists, there's breweries out there that use art like local artists, worldwide artists for their labels and. We, we've already named one, but there's, there's more than one out there. But the one thing I hear from the artists that we work with, they're like, they've worked with these other breweries. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, we like what you guys do because you pick us. It's not like they have to submit all this art and then they get picked if they created it or it's an old one. We look at their portfolio and we actually have Taka once again. He's a curator for the artists and we he makes a short list and we pick it. And really, the artist is creating an original artwork for us, for mm -hmm. iPhone specifically. And so it's not something they've done before. We pay them pretty handsomely up front. Um, we get the rights to use it for uh, label and down-the-road merchandise, uh, so prints, T-shirts, hats. But the artist owns the artwork. And that was a key component because, you know, once again, like leaning on Taka, being an artist, going through all this. And he's, he's done like amazing stuff with big companies like prior snowboards other ski companies worldwide. And he's like, if the artist can keep their artwork and own it, that's really important. So we're like, okay, let's let the artist keep their artwork. You know, it's theirs. They can do whatever they want with it. We ask, you know, we're going to plan a year end gala with Haifa. If you do have it, or if you can't have the original artwork, we'd love to showcase it. And we can even sell it for you if you want, if you haven't sold it. But we want, you know, if you can, great. If not, we can do a print or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, to answer that question, I mean, it's there. The artists own it and they keep it. And, you know, it's, uh, and they're creating unique artwork for our Haifa project. So it's, it's great in a lot of ways. So both ways. Mm -hmm. Everyone's happy. Okay, that makes sense. I guess it's kind of cool as well to know that there's like fans in the community who have that original artwork on their wall as opposed to just sort of sitting in a brewery. Like it's kind of cool that like it's out there, and you could have a print of everything in there that makes no difference. Yeah, it's the print. Of the I would, 
I would love the originals. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, all the artists and I love the originals. Put the money up and yeah. just grab that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, um, uh, like, yeah. We were talking earlier about the, um, uh, about the possibility of a physical space. Um, mm -hmm. You know, do you have like a timeline for that? And that aside, you know, what, what were you thinking? Like what's the kind of grand vision for a hyperphysical space? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because uh, a lot of things go into that. But um, <clears throat> timeline, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, if we found the place that made sense and worked right away, we'd do it right away. Okay. Um, we're in no rush. Uh, and I think that's, we're lucky. We have that um, situation we're in. Uh, we can do that uh, and take our time. Uh, so we want the perfect fit. Um, it's interesting. Like, there's four of us, and all of us like the outdoors. All of us, three of us love skiing and snowboarding in the backcountry and just in the West Coast. And so we were like, the art kind of component you naturally would think kind of urban city, you know, brick and mortar. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, it makes, it makes sense naturally, I think. But we're not, we're open to the idea of being a more remote kind of like Destination. somewhere, maybe like Whistler, Pemberton, <laughs> like, you know, it's like a kind of lifestyle, you know what I mean? Right, right. Lifestyle. Um, I, I think what's important there is to have like, you know, obviously, um, in an ideal world, we would love space where we could throw like an event as well. So not just have a brew, but have a space to do an outdoor event with maybe even music and art. That would be like, you know, big picture Northern star if we could do it. Um, and then have a place where we can, you know, support our lifestyles. Like, so it's, it, we don't know yet. <laughs> so it's kind of like, <laughs> right, right. if everybody knows a good space out there that <laughs> has all that, hit me up <laughs> at the right price. <laughs> at the right price. <laughs> but it, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it could go either way. It could be somewhere remote in, like I said, Whistler, Pemberton, uh, lifestyle kind of thing, or it could be urban downtown, like, you know, somewhere kind of like a gas town, whatever. Like it could be that, um, I think what we, we will have, it would be nice to have some space for event space, but also, uh, it would be nice to have some way incorporate a studio gallery, obviously with the artists. And in an ideal world, if we could make it work, have a resident artist within the space. Okay. Well, like, that entails. Like switching through, like switching through, like a revolving door. Okay. So just all of their work, like maybe one month is this artist and all of their work is there. Yeah. Or, or maybe like a street, like a resident space being like maybe probably more realistically like a quarter or half year so they can stay there and work on this stuff, like a studio space. Oh, they actually uh, make it there. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like yeah. use it as a studio space um, where they can rotate through. Like we, Bring in different Canadian artists, maybe even from different parts of, the, of Canada, or potentially, I mean, it could be an opportunity to bring in artists from around the world to have like a short stay. You know, obviously, it would be uh, valuable for them. It would probably be subsidized for them. So it would be, you know, not expensive. And it'd be a cool little project uh, if we had the breed to have that kind of space as well. Yeah. I think. So, uh, you know, that's an ideal world. That's dope. I mean, I kind of feel like for you and for what the brand is, it would almost be odd if you didn't have that space. So I can definitely align with that. That like that would be pretty important for you guys to have that. I know that. I wonder if that um my friend lives near the that Yeast Van uh, district, like the East Vancouver BA sort of thing. Is that yep. kind of like 
this is more like I don't actually know. Like, is that kind of like just tapped out and it's like too much? Because it seems like this huge concentrate. Like, it's in a pretty insane concentration, if I'm not mistaken, like 20 yep. plus breweries, yeah? Maybe more. There's a lot. I mean, Vancouver is pretty small. <laughs> There's a lot of people, but I mean, but it's a small space. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's tapped. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's possible. Uh, it's just, man, property is so expensive. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you were talking about Toronto, like Toronto yeah. and Vancouver are the most expensive in Canada. So you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Bro, about like, yeah. 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 You so, guys are worse. You it, guys are by far the, uh, the highest. Yeah. We wanted to move to Toronto and we looked at the prices. Right yeah. Okay. Not, not really. Um, so I completely understand. It's uh, I imagine that you know it's probably why, and particularly for commercial space, then even oh, yeah. then you'd be renting, but the rent must just be like, like crazy. It's expensive. Like we're, we've we've looked a lot, a lot, everywhere, and uh, it's expensive. It's not like a no, hard no, but it's like <clears throat> it has like, to make sense. Think, it has to make sense. And the end of the day, it's like uh, and the one thing I value with all of us or, you know, involved is yeah, we want to. <clears throat> You know, we want to have the space. We want to do a great job of it, but we want to have a, a lifestyle thing with it. Like, you know, right. so either being in the city somehow being a lifestyle thing or outside the city, we want to have a component. It's not just like, okay, making beer and art. It's like, what else, you know, we want to live and breathe it. So we want to have a little bit more of our lifestyle with it. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, it's, ex- it's, it's exciting. It doesn't really, it doesn't make the job easier finding a space, but, uh, no. it's, uh, it's, 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 ha- it's going to happen. I feel, I feel it's going to happen. I love that. That's the vibes. Are you looking to make it your full-time thing? I imagine right now it's probably not being that you do one beer a month. It's probably not a full-time thing. Are you looking, it's not, it's not a full-time, are you looking to that, for that to happen? Hundred uh, percent. Definitely okay. want to make. I mean, if we get our own brewery, that would be a full time thing. We'd probably be pumping up more beers, maybe more of a, a higher rate, so more than once a month. Probably have a uh, introduce probably more cores, but we don't want to get away from our you know, what got us there. You know, being kind of what's different, showcasing art and different, just playing around with styles, even you know, uh, as much as we can, and being able to sell that uh, and share that with everyone. Really, at the end of the day, so, you know. Yeah. So I think a tap room is important. Doesn't have to be big, but to have that tap room, you get like you get loyal customers, people that really care, passionate what you're doing. But also, it's kind of a, a it's also a mutual thing. Like you're getting a lot of they're like your litmus <laughs> paper for That's like true. what what they like and what they don't like. It you know it's uh, they're probably your best customer if they're always coming there every week. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So. Get yeah. a bit gauge and where everyone's feeling about the the beers. You can do the test batches and, and see what's hitting totally. and, and experiment a little bit. And if something works, you can bring it in as like a can thing and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's uh, it always seems to be the goal. Like I feel like contracting, at least out here, it, it has it used to. I feel like I haven't heard anyone talk shit about it for a while, but it used to be like people used to get really mad about contracting for a while. Yeah, like back in Ontario. And I always thought it was pretty absurd because I feel like beer people do forget that beer is a business and, you know, sometimes wouldn't it be smart to test your brand in the market and get it sort of known and then, but, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a classic success story where you sort of just slowly roll it out and 
keep doing more and get those contracts and, and so on and so forth with licensees and, and uh, distribution. And then when you're able to create that space that you've really been wanting to do the whole time, you've already got all of these things in place, you've got brand recognition rather than dropping, hey, I'm going to put two million on this brewery right now. Let's yeah. see if it works. I don't know. It's almost like a, if you look at it on paper, it's technically a smarter approach to the business of it, craft beer. It is, and we have the same thing out here with the like contract brewing. Um, there's sides, some breweries were, and were just totally against it, and some were like totally for it. And it's like anywhere. I get it. I think it comes down to like it's two things. I think like if you're genuine about like it's just a different way to market. Right. And if you, like you said, like it's a little bit less risk. And I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of understanding and compassion for those people that have started off right off the bat buying a brewery and doing it because they paved the road. And I have a lot of respect, and, uh, you know, I respect that. Uh, it's just a different way of doing it. Um, I think when you have beer companies starting up being a contract brewer and that's their only goal, just be like really a marketing company. A sales company, then I would say, you know what, maybe that kind of like, you know, isn't very genuine. It doesn't really adhere to maybe the craft brewing scene. It's just kind of like, give me a quick buck and out kind of thing. Then I can get that. Yeah. Uh, but it really, you know, depends how you're doing it and what your intentions are. Like, I, I know we're, you know, this is, people know us, but this is genuine. Like, <laughs> we're passionate and uh, we want to make a go of this. And it's just a different way of doing it. Um, so I, I know what you're saying and I respect that. Uh, from the other side, uh, but um, it's just a different way of doing it, especially uh, if you're in our shoes. I think I we agree. have a lot of yeah, yeah. No, you. I, we've been standing up aggressively for contracting for years. Uh, when people do it, kind of just pisses me off because I just feel like it's the. I understand, like you know, craft beer is a hobby. It's this passion for people, and they take it real seriously. And like obviously, you and mm. I both do as well. But I think these people do really forget the people who are who are fans are just drinkers. They don't really, mm. maybe they don't own a business and don't really think, because I look at craft beer first and foremost, I'm like, oh, how does this work? How's the money flow? How does things go up? I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's, you know, then people get kind of caught up in those smaller things and they don't really understand the value that it contributes. There's so many contract brewers, I can even think of off the top of my head in between Ontario and Quebec that are success stories. They went from mm. contracting full-time and now they have their space finally and it works. 100%. And they're killing yeah. it because they already had like uh, um, market share from when they were yep. contracting and they already had relationships and they already had distro and they already had licensees and all of these like 300 things like, all right, so off the rip, as soon as they start brewing, they don't have to go and send salespeople out to try and figure it out. They've already got these things plug and play and they're already asking for the products. You just got to dial yeah. it in. So it's, you know, and it's, uh, we used to talk about it a lot back in the day, like a few years ago. I feel like every other episode we were talking about it because it was just it was such this obsession with it, which to me, I just always found it so ridiculous. But um, yeah, I never even really thought about it for a while. But I think it's dope that this, this concept is cool because this is something a little more unique. And you've done a proof of concept now for pushing a year and a half that yeah. you've been able to marry high-level art and be a and events and diversity, which is something that we talked about. I'm super passionate about my, my partner and I and our partners and nonprofit are passionate yeah. about. I think there's almost basically nothing more important than people can do. And then you're able to, you know, whatever that looks like for you guys, whatever the physical space ends up being, it'll be what it's meant to be. 
and you know, totally. we'll take it from there. But the fact you've already, I've seen stuff like this happen with other people where people have, it sounds like you've got like a bit of a movement behind all the things that you're doing. Where with like passionate, totally. passionate followers, different communities involved, meaning the artists, you know, physically like painters, tattoo artists, uh, graffiti artists, like all the, the digital artists doing AR, like all of these crazy different things. Um, yeah. It's fascinating, man. I think it's really, really dope. Really Thanks, man. It's cool. It's, it's fun. So I appreciate you noticing that. It's, it's, it's been a wild ride. <clears throat> and um, it's, it's interesting. We're kind of going back to like the, I was going back to the three pillars of our, our company is like being beer art community. And the community part's the one that gets me really excited because that's kind of really open-ended mm-hmm. and can be many things. Um, we already talked about like <clears throat> really getting to the kind of the grassroots of like really interacting with the people that really are the influencers, the craft beer influencers, the art influencers, and just really connecting with them. I think it's just having that opportunity to connect to them from a human level, mm-hmm. especially. And I think, you know, in hindsight, thinking of uh, launching in COVID was shit. <laughs> Sorry. But it was actually a good thing as well because it really lended nice to what, advantage to what we were trying to do is really connect with people. And I think that people really needed that and wanted that during that time. Like it was so like, you know, so yeah, it was was so regulated and it was, it was really hard for a lot of people. And we, we, that's what we wanted. We wanted right away. So we dove into that, but the community aspect is just like, I I just have so much fun with it. And like, we've done some amazing things already. And I see like what we can do is being endless. And there's like an example, we did a, so, I mean, Ikigai, I, I, going back to kind of old beers, but we did this beer. Uh, Casey Hall, he's an indigenous artist out of uh, Bella Bella uh, in uh, BC. And he actually is a form line uh, traditional indigenous artist, but he blends it with graffiti. So he's kind of have a hip hop background as well. So he p- takes kind of two kind of things and combines them. Uh, and I love the art he did. Uh, and we we said hey we want to give back somehow and we were talking about how can we give back to the community and we you know we were a little concerned about tying it into beer sales with indigenous support to be honest because there's some like you know issues around that and so we were like okay so let's let's focus more about the art not the beer so we actually did a limited edition run i think we did 50 uh, of actually high ends like gallery grade silk screen of this and right. sold it for a pretty good premium uh, but we gave some to the artists we kept a small amount and we gave a big chunk of it actually to um, it's called Anya Urban Native Youth Association it's a, in, in downtown Vancouver or outside of downtown Vancouver but it's in Vancouver it's a, a youth center for indigenous people and he Casey Hall is indigenous he actually was part of that program like showing art how to do graffiti with these, you know, young indigenous uh, children or youths, and uh, it was actually funny when he he mentioned it, he would want to do this for them. I was like, <laughs> I was like, really, uh, yeah. So kind of like tying back my past life, I used to be a teacher. So I used to be a, a teacher in in Alberta, and when I moved to Vancouver, I was a teacher here. And one of the I did temporary jobs when I was in Vancouver, just starting up, and one of them was with uh, uh, indigenous youth program which Anya was tied with. So it was kind of a connection. I did that for like, I don't know, a few weeks. 
it was a contract and I really enjoyed it. It was different, different take on teaching and different type of people and just a system. But uh, I knew when I found out they connected, I was like, this is hilarious. Like, you know, this is awesome. And, and yes, I want to give back. So we, we did that from the print cells. Uh, we worked with uh, Latimer Gallery, which is a, a really well-known gallery in uh, close to Granville Island. And they helped us sell these prints. Uh, and we did a signing with the artist. And I think it was like 60% of the, the money we made from it went towards Anya. Uh, they got plans to build a new youth center in the next while. It's just a small amount, but it's kind of give back to that. So that, that's kind of the community initiatives and things that gets me excited. And it's like, it's, it's I always look at it as like, it's really open. It can be anything you want it to be as long as it connects and really has value to the community. I love that. So, I think that, yeah. that's super key. And it's, it's really thoughtful. It's a thoughtful approach, organic and authentic. And I think that's really mm -hmm. what, I don't know, I feel like that makes the difference though. We had the same thing with, with Linka. We were originally going to just target it at, at black and indigenous people to help bring into craft beer. And we spoke with some elders. In the, there's an indigenous um, uh, res here called Kanawaki. And we mm -hmm. spoke with some people out there and it seemed a little, like an, a tough thing to sort of want to really proactively go and push this alcohol industry on a group of people who, like you said, had a, you know, historically had some uh, you know, dealings with all of this. So we sort of like, let's just make a buy POC for everybody who isn't white, that's really who we're trying to attract and that made sense. So it, it came from a thoughtful perspective after consulting with the community and it sounds like you did the same thing where you'd already sort of worked with them. There's an authentic connection with the artist um, and also with hip hop, which ties it back into other things that you're doing as well. And like, I don't know, that's cool. That just feels all like super organic and just kind of like seamless. This is like a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But just like yeah, you totally. weren't forcing any of this stuff. Yeah. It's a no brainer totally. for sure. And the no brainer yeah. is the easy part, but it's also like, you, you know, the, that's the one thing I think with beer and anything that isn't, that's sort of outside of that you can, excuse me, um, I'm just going to be cautious and just making sure everything's authentic. I can tell, like, just the energy that you're giving off, I can tell you mean that you really care about beer, you care about art, um, and everything feels, like, super authentic. And I think that's, I don't know, I think that's, like, a, let's say a rarer trait these days. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's when you recognize that authenticity in a product or the brand or in, in people who run the thing, it's, it's, it's cool. And I think people gravitate towards that. So... I imagine that, that that is definitely sort of playing a, a, a maybe subtler part in, in the success of the brand and what's really been happening so far as people feel that. And they come to the yeah. event and they want to be involved in something that's just dope and cool and, and just makes sense. Uh, you know, and I agree with you. And it's, but the other side of that, like being on this side is like, that's a lot easier when you can be just yourself and what you're really, share what you're passionate about. That's like, it's not hard. <laughs> And the hard part is like convincing that and doing it with other people like out in the community. But if you believe in it and you're truly passionate about it, that's, that's easy. Like that's just a part of sharing who you are, right? you know, you know, sharing your experience and who you are. So that's the easy part. It's like, how do you, how do you uh, engage that with other people? How do you activate that? I think that's mm. the challenge. Mm. How do you? <laughs> through art mm -hmm. <laughs> through art and events it's it's a great it's a great uh, icebreaker i always say like you know it's it's uh people always say is art's what you think it is right you know <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. okay what do you think about it like sure whatever 
and it's it, it's art has so much and it's just like beer like it has so much a big uh, diversity I mean you were talking about diversity of like you know just in general it's like beer has that art has that like you know it's it's beautiful that way so it's it, it'll pull those other things that you know I it's you're seeing that come to the uh, forefront right in the last like few years like with inclusion and diversity which is great um, and it's it's, yeah. it's it's always been in a uh, I want to say issue, but it's always been out there where it should like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm part, uh, Japanese. So I've been, grew up, uh, I've seen racism, like, you know, even being half, <laughs> you know, I've seen that and experienced that all my life. And it's like, okay, like, you know, okay. And I know people, I'm not, not the only one. There's obviously tons of people. It's, it's nice to see, um, this coming to the forefront where people, I think the most important thing is people can talk about it. You know what I mean, and have mm -hmm. open conversations, and then hopefully we can educate each other and learn from it. You know, that's the big one. Well so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's 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 all happened in a short amount of time, and it's like peeling the layers of the onion <laughs> for a lot of people. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> it is, uh, and it, it, it's it's it's. I mean, it's a. I think you have to be cautious. It is a double-edged sword at the same time. Uh, I think because, and the only reason I say that it's not what it, people are pushing for, it's the platform. It's like anyone can say anything on social media. <laughs> like, and it's, it's a good thing, it's a great thing. But it, you have to be, I, I always say this even when you be a teacher before this movement, like Black Lives Matters and all this, is like question the source, ask where it came from, research it, educate yourself before you make you know, an educated choice or a decision. Mm -hmm. You should question where it came from. Yeah, no, it's true, man. It's just you know, getting people thinking about this stuff more than sort of just maybe the, you know, seeing it, ignoring it, and just understanding that it, you know what it actually means and stuff. And being, uh, I guess, not everyone, particularly the last two years, like people weren't around other people to be able to be exposed to other ideas and just understanding sort of separate that separateness mm -hmm. and now it's i guess man the time of coming back together to be like hey man like we're all the same let's just figure out how to make it all work for everybody and stuff and you know things like this do bring people together because it's they're all that's the point so the beer is a social lubricant art galleries and art events are social events and beer is yeah. not and art is art and you know here we are and they obviously got music more art and you know conversation yeah. it's it's cool man it's it's cool what you're doing i think it's more important than maybe people realize because it's it's sort of tackling you know I, I, we always think from the perspective of growing craft beer obviously we're a beer podcast so that's mostly what we're focused on on here anyway obviously i really really care about music and i'm definitely into art um but the it's cool to see the approach to it all and sort of you know it's just interesting that you've been able to do this and do this for so long and then have these other plans to be like, all right, we're going we're gonna to do this. I just haven't really seen that before. Um, no. Anyway, yeah, whether it's Canada or the States or beyond. So it's, um, it's really cool, man. I love it. It's fun. No, I appreciate that. It's, it's, uh, I think we were talking before this, like, like a vision on this is to really take it past BC, like, mm. like Haifa Project. It's, I, I honestly believe the brand is really, you know, solid brand and a message behind it and intention and integrity i guess you could say like honesty of it is like there is amazing 
you're everywhere. There's amazing artists everywhere. And we have amazing communities everywhere. They're all like, you know, I mean, it kind of goes back to, I don't know if I explained this at the beginning, but Haifa, the word Haifa literally came from, we chose that name because it comes from the mycelium network. So like mushrooms and fungi. Right. And they have the mycelium network underground that interacts with the environment, you know, like a symbiotic relationship. And each branch in that mycelium, that it, it's like a branch that goes off, is called a Haifa. So it interacts. So it's like there's millions and billions of hyphas within this mycelium, but they're all connected and they're all like intertwined. And they all like kind of like one living organism, like that could be like thousands of kilometers away. <laughs> like the biggest organism has been a fungi. So it's like it's 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 interesting. So the whole idea with the, the hypha is kind of lent from that, like being, yeah, we're just one little branch, but we're a big part of this whole kind of thing, you know. And if we can make, if we can do our, you know what we're passionate and care about and do what we can to make it the best, you know, that's just going to blend to everything else. So we're really, you know, we really stick by that. To be honest. That's sick. As you know what, I'm glad you mentioned that because there was one part earlier and I was like, Oh, I never asked uh, Chris what Haifa actually meant specifically. <laughs> so thank yeah. you for, for doing that. I always feel like that's an interesting thing because breweries typically have pretty interesting names and sometimes yeah, I forget yeah. to ask, Hey, where'd the name come from? So, um, totally. thank you, bro. Um, cool. want to do that last beer and then we'll, uh, yes. we'll send her home. Um, I'm going to go grab that. Do you want to tell us about this one? And, um, this one's as, as I really enjoy for a lot of reasons. I think I like them all. They're all like my little babies, <laughs> but, uh, but this one is special one because it's our, uh, collaboration with bright eyed brewing. Uh, sorry, I'm just turning it around and bright eyed brewing is a brewery, a small brewery out of Camus, BC. Uh, they don't distribute their product and package that far. I think it's very local in the Okanagan, British Columbia, um, making killer, killer beers. Like, if you love the kind of uh, New England hazy, they even do those really standout sours and fruited beers. Um, they're amazing. Um, their concept is very similar. Is they most of their beers is kind of like one and done. They do one beer and it's done because they don't really package a lot of it. It's through their tap room. Uh, so most of it's through that so they can play around um, I've known um, Mitchell he's one of the owners for like nine ten years solid guy um, loves beer but it also is very uh, in tuned with the art scene in like very hyper local interior BC the Kamloops Okanagan he's live art live theater he does an event every year that's called brew loops or is it saying right brew loops yeah it's brew loops like Kamloops um, and one year he had like a fair, uh, merry go, uh, not a fair, uh, what do you call those, uh, those like giant a, circus, uh, um, uh, not uh, Ferris, Ferris wheel. Yeah. It's a Ferris wheel. Yeah. He had a giant Ferris wheel at the beer event. <laughs> like <laughs> I wasn't there, but I, I saw pictures and I, it was like really good events. Um, so anyway, we, we wanted to do an event with them or event and a brew, uh, collab. So we did this with them. Uh, this one is a New Zealand IPA, New England IPA specifically. Um, the three hops are New Zealand. So it's Wakao, Watoka, Watuka, and Nelson Sovan. Nice. And yeah, this one, to be honest, is probably one of my favorite beers we've done. <laughs> I think it's one yeah. of the better ones we've done. Okay. Uh, just tons of tropical aroma off the nose right away. You get that with a lot of the. New Zealand ones. Love it. 
Yeah, New Zealand hops are uh, exceptional. Oof. There's a there's a, some great uh, choices right there. The three. Absolutely, and then we actually like uh, changed the malt bill. Uh, a majority of the malt bill is gold and promise. Just gives it a really it's, a lot of old English beers use this, okay. and it gives it a little more crispy cereal kind of a, a nice silky mouthfeel as well on top of it. It's beautiful. We're just taking a photo of it, so I'm gonna get that in a sec. But yeah, yeah, Nelson uh, Raquel Matek is, uh, is is fire. So was it brewed out of Vancouver or was it brewed out of Kamloops? It was Vancouver. Thank so we did it in Vancouver, uh, and then we threw it an event in Kamloops uh, when we launched it. For that, okay. and that was the kind of splash gallery release. Your release, it was super cool. And yeah, so in the artist, I can't always forget the artist. Mm. Uh, so the artist is Neil um, Manuel. He's from Kamloops, actually. So mm. actually, the collaboration we leaned on them to find an artist, Love and it. they recommended someone that we worked with already. And Neil has his own skateboard brand. Uh, in Kamloops. So he's a kind of a skater, artist, punk, whatever you want to call it. Love it. Um, I think I know why he came up with Weird Eagles Dare. I didn't pick up on it right away, but he came up with the name and we, we stuck with it. But after knowing he has a skateboard company, he's kind of skateboard punk. It's the Misfits old song, Weird Eagles Dale. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> so I was like, I bet you that's where it's from. It's <laughs> his idea. But yeah, he... Uh, he killed it with the art. I mean, people always ask me, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have what's happening here? No idea. And I'll let you be the judge of it. Uh, but it's, I mean, it yeah. sticks out. The art. And it kind of has an old 80s skateboard feel, like California, Santa Cruz kind of skateboard feel. I can definitely see that. Yeah, it's like an eagle's, for people who are listening, it's like an eagle's head on top of a, what looks like a human head that blew with ears and big puffy cheeks and a mouth for an eye. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's got teeth and a tongue for an eye and then it's still got a mouth and the head is whistling because it's music notes and it's doing like a circular mouth which suggests whistling. But yeah, and there's the a brain eye. on top of the bird. <laughs> oh, that's a brain? And no, the brain I, is I, smiling? I think, I think it's a brain. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's smiling. It's like a little hat. Yeah. Dude, this is weird as shit. Imagine being like on mushies on the other. Speaking of mushrooms. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. This one's, uh, it's a Woo. trippy label. Yeah, man. I've had so many people ask me about this. Probably the, out of all the labels that asked me, what is going on here? What is like, it? You know what? I even asked the artist. He's like, what do you think is going on? I'm like, yeah, that's a good answer. Oh, he did one of those? Okay. You know yeah. what? <laughs> I respect that. I'd be like, yeah, what are you? I'm like, okay. All right. I see what you did there. Yeah. Sometimes it's the move. Sometimes he's going to let people know. Let them make up their mind. Yeah, this is this is great, man. This has got a nice body, super super hazy, um, yeah. really nice. Um, mm, that kind of white grape from the Nelson, really bright, smooth, chalky. It's delicious. This is probably my favorite yeah. one, actually. Even now, you mentioned it too. Um, yeah, everything was really fantastic, though. And I feel like they were all really different. Even though we have four IPAs tonight, they were you know a cold IPA to like a um, the the phantasm, which is kind of like a in between type of thing, and then to sort of uh, this, the last one was New England, and then this one is New New England, but in a totally different way. Um, it shows the depths of IPAs, which I always appreciate because I feel like some people might think they're uh, what you know one dimensional, but far from it. You know? Totally, there's so um, many different types out there. That's 
play around yeah. forever with IPAs. With anything there. So yeah. when you when you guys are brewing, what's the general? So for people who are watching or listening, you know, in, in BC or beyond, like what's uh, when you release? Obviously, you drop everything on social and stuff. But where can people overall? Like, where do you distribute out of? Obviously, you're not. Do you sell out of slow hand or do you distribute? I heard the BC lick stores are really fire out there. Like it seems like they really get the different system. Yeah, it's a hybrid system. So you got like um, I'm thinking of SAQ is like government run liquor stores, and you have some uh, we call it dependence like corner stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So here we have like two channels. Really, it's uh, government liquor stores and the BC liquor stores, and then you have uh, your private. Okay. So it's kind of uh, probably out of Canada. It's probably the best hybrid system in all provinces, uh, being like, like your government and private. Um, so for the most part, most craft beer goes to the private. You know, to get listed is a little harder. Um, you know, you have to have a right price point. You have to have volume. You have to you know compete with other people. So if you're looking for like really crafty, crafty beers, it's always a private system. So we sell through um, the private uh, liquor stores in BC uh, and bars and restaurants. We do some kegs. Uh, we done some. We do some drops in Alberta for kegs and some for package, smaller amount. Nice. And then Manitoba has gotten some a little bit, uh, not a lot, just packaged, a very small amount. But for the most part, we sell most of it in BC, and it's like last two or three we sold out just in bc so it's kind of getting to that point where we sell it pretty fast which is great um so you want- yeah it's kind of like i think it's i mean everyone would love to sell it and have more stock <laughs> like let's be honest totally. so, yeah. um no this is dope sorry this beer is really, really good man. um i love this beer thank yeah, you yeah this is uh, this is like yeah this is killer this is like real like Fire ass haze, New Zealand hops are perfect, but it's not just the hops, it's the body. It's got a little bit of that, like a little bit of um, like the green, the, the hop burn, the touch. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. Like some people don't like it, but like I love it and I feel like it also provides longevity for a beer. This was canned a couple of months ago and it does not taste two months old. And yep. I think part of that's the hop burn. Like when you have that hop burn for whatever that, whatever the, whatever it does, it elongates the lifespan of the beer and makes it completely fresh as hell for significantly longer. I, I love it. Um, yeah, you guys really nailed this. But that's dope. I love that you're selling out uh, quick, but people can still get it um, elsewhere. I always find Winnipeg is such a Manitoba, such a, a, an interesting market because they're like dead in the middle of the country. So they kind of get. I've been there a couple of times, and they get the best of both sides yeah from the west and from the east which is great so i wasn't entirely surprised when you say that but to me that's really great for them um what's the so we just to sort of in the, the final part here we were talking sort of off air about this and you touched on this just before but you know, because of the contract model you're able to um basically collaborate with breweries anywhere you damn well please whether you know, as long as it's brewed out of their space and you can put the hyphen name on it and bring that, bring what you bring to the table, such as, you know, that the art side of it and sort of facilitating that. Like, do you have any sort of plans in the short to medium term to start to expand out of um, BC and beyond, whether it's in Canada or otherwise? Yeah. I mean, I think the plan is to, uh, at some point when we get a, uh, Probably when we get a brew space to really expand. Um, 
but I always had this vision of being um, expanding, not just expanding the beer, but connecting with the community. And once again, going back to the art, connecting with the art and the community within wherever we are. So if we're in Toronto, Montreal, which I want to love to do there because I think they have great art scenes and great beer scenes. Mm-hmm. I would love to like have a release there around an event with art um, and really tie into the community smell. And it's, it's, <laughs> this once is going back to, I mean, once again, going back to what I said about like the community part is really kind of the fun part I look at. Like, you know, if we look at the pillars, beer art community, it's like we can do a lot of really creative, fun stuff. I mean, yes, the art, we can do that as well, but we can really take it to another level with community. So my big thing is always like somehow if we're doing this in Toronto, say example, Montreal, we're giving back. We're giving back somehow uh, to that community, whatever it is. Like it's not always money. It could be like, you know, education. It could be like support, be whatever recognition. Like, but I think that's an important key element to this IFA project is like, how do we give back? And I think that's kind of like, um, you know, as I, I, I think most people do as they get older and kind of like look at what they're doing, where they're at is like, how do I make this place a better place? And how do I can like, you know, contribute in a good way. And I always feel like that would be something that I'm, first of all, I think the hype project, we really connect to that art, the beer, but how can we give back to that community? And so, I mean, yeah, I would love to see this in Toronto, Montreal, around an event, around somewhere that's kind of like relevant to that community. Uh, even looking at like, um, West coast of USA. Uh, I know the art scenes there is amazing as well. Um, would love to tap into that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, even saying that we're even talking about like, I mean, it's kind of like far fetched, but it's not that far. I think is like Japan, uh, being Takasudo has really good connections out there. You know, like I'm half Japanese. It'd be a great, they have a great art scene as well out there. It'd be fun. And they have a great beer scene actually in Japan. Surprisingly amazing oh, yeah. crap beer scene with the expats and everything in the U S has been there for a long time. And I would love to do something there as well. Like, you know, and that, I think that's kind of like the hyper brand is really the fun, exciting part of it for me is like, this doesn't just have to be BC. This can be anywhere we want to go. So we really celebrate and showcase what each city, each community has. And I think that's, that's the key. And that, that's, that goes both ways. That's kind of, Ooh. oh, <laughs> there we go. Sorry about you that. Go. You're right, brother. Yeah. Thing. Right. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think that's I think that's the key. Like being able to uh, connect with people, you know, and in genuine and it's have fun. It's have fun doing it. And I think events is that's the key to events. Yeah. Is that you can have a lot of fun and you can get really creative on how you connect with people. Yeah. yeah. That real that's life cool. sort of uh, that sort of like third dimension that brings it sort of all over. It's all well and good to do it digitally, but it's not the same as sitting next to somebody, mm-hmm. looking them in the eye, talking to them and actually sharing a movement, sharing a beer, explaining something, whatever it might be. It's, uh, it's important. I think as a collective, we've realized that over the last couple of years, how important that uh, physical, sharing that physical space is. So I, I think uh, totally. particularly the beers, I've noticed in the beer scene, people are like ready to go, man, like that people are psyched for the summer. You know, it's, uh, I know about out there, but it's been a bit of a rainy June so far. So I think we're hoping for a nice... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know Van, you know, BC gets a lot of rain anyway, like over the winter when we're getting minus 30. You guys are getting rain, you bosses. 
Um, minus 30. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So you're like, oh, it's uh, plus three in reading, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think if people just sort of are uh, looking forward to, to doing that, so I definitely agree. I've, I've seen that vibe too. I think you know, breweries are throwing a lot of events, people just seem excited to, to, to really get back into that side of things. Totally, you're, you, you're totally dead on. Like, you know, people are ready for this, they're ready, yeah. they've been like cooped up. Um, they're ready to have fun, interact. Um, it's interesting you say that. Like I've talked to a few people in the industry, like media, social media ad agencies, and they're like, this online thing is huge. But I think the, the, they said this, and, and I agree with them, is that the key is having online virtual, but also like in person. And if you can connect the two, like having a, like a experience, and that's why events, I think, come in and play. It's like if you can have like a firsthand experience or a person-to-person experience and fun, you know, experience doing that, that if you can connect that with the digital world, that's where it becomes really strong, a digital component. It's like, yeah. especially nowadays. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, you're right. It's just finding that perfect balance of digital and physical and what works for the brand and what works for, for, for what you're trying to do. It's, uh, yeah, it's cool, man. I think we're hopefully we're moving into a whole new sort of phase that, that combines it before. Cause I think the problem with beer coming from a social media agency, I've been doing this for a long time and yeah. seeing the lack of digital savviness in the craft beer world was always a frustrating thing. And it's, you know, we've always tried to educate and, and explain, but I think nothing could have, <laughs> there's nothing I ever could have said that would have taught the lessons of the last two years than going <laughs> through that for breweries. I think everybody stepped their game up. I think everybody understands the power of digital and hopefully yeah. that rail, you know, drove that home that, Hey man, like if anything's taken away from us, well, this was the only Avenue that you had. So, you know, the, the idea exactly, you nailed it where it's just a magic, a matter of marrying the two in a way that makes sense for for, for each brand. And uh, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting future for, for craft beer as a whole. Yeah, for it. I agree. I agree hundred percent. It's going to be it. fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. Chris, this has been awesome, man. I've been really enjoying hanging out with you. You're a champion. I feel like we would get along with, uh, you know, I definitely have to come hang out if you're ever out here or if I'm ever out there. Um, beers are fire. Concept is fire. Love everything about what you're doing, man. I'm really glad we connected. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Cool. No, I appreciate it the same, too. And, and you know what? Honestly, I've uh, checked out your uh, podcast and everything. You're doing a great job, so uh, keep it up. You're Thanks, doing man. some pretty cool stuff out there. So uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it. And, uh, a lot of gratitude to you accept us uh, jump on board with you. So thank it's you. an honor. It's an honor and a pleasure, my brother. Yeah. Um, this is great. It uh, makes me happy to connecting with great people, telling the story of uh, of what you're up to. It's uh, you know, I, I feel like it's a, it's an honor for I, that I get to do that with everyone. So I really appreciate your time and, and hanging out and your generosity, man. It's uh, this is fantastic. So where can all of the viewers and listeners find Hyper Project online? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, probably the best thing is through Instagram. It's just Haifa Project, H-Y-P-H-A Project, or our website, HaifaProject.com. Uh, if you're in Vancouver area, we have actually worked through Beer Van. Well, actually, you can order online. They'll deliver you in Lower Mainland, like, the next day. So it's pretty dope. <laughs> that's uh, but, yeah, other than that, check out our website, Instagram. That's our main form uh, digitally online. Um, but, like, the events, uh, we're looking to do an event in, in Alberta, like I said, I want to love to do one in Toronto and uh, Montreal. 
uh, have some concepts ready with some uh, partners maybe. So if anybody wants to do an event out there, I'm looking for some excellent uh, partners. I think it's all about collaborations. Um, yeah, two heads are better than one. But uh, yeah, once again, I, I mean, it's just, it's pretty dope what you're doing. Uh, I, and I was, I was pretty psyched when you said, hey, let's do this. And I was like, yeah, I love what you guys are doing. So uh, thanks for having us on board. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you a lot, man. Uh, we have a lot in common, it seems, as well. So it's uh, been very cool. I've enjoyed this a lot. Um, you want to grab the thumbnail? I'm going to take a screenshot of what uh, of the screen here. Do you want to hold up some uh, some of the cans? Oh, yeah. Got to make sure you show these bad boys off. If I can get three. There we go. <laughs> it's always like hard to, I know. It's always so awkward to try and get the... Oh. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do two. <laughs> yeah, you, you can sit back. Sit back where you are and just sort of hold them up uh, next to your face or something. And there you go. That's perfect. Boom. There we go. There we go. Look at that. That's money. I know. It's always like, uh, it's always the fun part. <laughs> there we go. All right. Ready? Boom. Uh, Chris, I'm going to wrap this up. Stick around. Um, once after I uh, cut the recording, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up offline. But, uh, Bro, thank you again for your, for your time. And uh, guys, everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us everywhere at Beer with Podcasts. Check out the long form audio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. We go live, not live, but we drop the podcast every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Right now, we're doing the Link Up series on Mondays, typically, uh, also at 8 p.m. Eastern. So check out that. Um, Chris, thank you again for your time. Appreciate you. Everybody, you have a fantastic time of day, whatever it may be. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers, guys.